What's going on, Radio Free Estevan listeners? Before we move forward with this episode, I did want to make some announcements. Uh, first things first, the painting competition for July within the Discord, go to warhammerdiscord.com if you want to get access to that, uh, is live right now. Uh, we actually have two competitions going on this month. One of the categories is Dreadnought. And so however you want to do that, it could be the uh, Castafarum, Redemptor, the... Um, Leviathan Dreadnought, all of those are available uh, to be entered in. You just have to have a primed or bare Dreadnought, and you have to use the uh, the word I have awoken has to be in a, a card right next to it uh, to enter. And we also have the contest category Weathered for this month. Uh, so Weathered is the second category for this month. And that would be any way you interpret that. It could be any weathered model. You can just break it down. Uh, the code word for this month is Little Horus. Uh, so that's for July. You have the option of going with the uh, Dreadnought or Weathered. So we have both those going on this month. We did want to announce. Um, as well, a, an announcement we want to make for Powerful May, a.k.a. the Battle Scribbler. Uh, we do have the Horus Heresy Battle of the Eastern Fringe event, uh, part one on July 22nd and the 23rd. Uh, this is going to be taking place in Northamptonshire, UK. It's a two-day event. It's just under 50 pounds uh, for both days combined. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, it is a 2,500-point event. You're going to see some uh, some WYSIWYG models. Some fully painted is required to enter into that, and it's actually going to be at the Huxlow Science College on Finden Road in Earthlandborough, and then nine five ty whatever all that all means. So yeah, <laughs> if you're in the UK, I'm pretty sure you know what that means, and pretty sure there's a sweet event uh, waiting for you. I'm pretty sure y'all are gonna give me a call on how I should have said that. Uh, food looks like it's going to be provided by the powerful hospitality of Lord's Kitchen. From what I'm reading here, it looks like they're going to be busting out the old Traeger smoker, and it will be in action, serving delicious food. Uh, so curious what that means. I'm going to have to go look up the Lord's Kitchen now. But uh, if you are in the UK or if you are near uh, Northamptonshire, uh, give this a look up. This is going to be the Battle of the Eastern Fringe, a Part 1. Uh, and there are Loyalist and Trader tickets still available. Thank you. is Radio Free Istvan. The following public service announcement is direct from the Praetorian. Do not look directly at the Black God machines. Any dreams of paradise should be duly ignored and combat stims taken immediately. Remember, all defectors will be shot on sight. The Emperor protects What's going on, Radio Frist Fan listeners, and welcome to episode 162 of the Radio Frist Fan podcast, a horse heresy wargaming podcast. My name is Michael. I got my co-host Derek here. Let's say what's going on, Derek. Hey, how's it going, friends? And we have a pretty jam-packed episode for you guys. We got tons of hobby progress and games to talk mm. about. Oh yeah, it's been popping off. It's it's so crazy. So once again, as I say, uh, me and Derek were great friends we've been friends for for over a decade and a half now i'm, I'm oh, thinking yeah. and uh i've known you more of my life than i have not known you yeah and right. 
it's very hard for us not to uh, talk about our games with each other and talk about like how like because we both had games in this weekend. I think you had two games. Yes. And I and I had a single game, and I want to ask him, you know, how like you want to console your friend if he had a bad game, and you want to you know you want to pump him up if he had a good game. But I'm not. I am not allowed to do that for this podcast because I want to. Uh, I guess have that live reaction on the podcast and ask you the questions here where they'd come out oh, naturally then have to like remind myself to ask you questions when and be surprised and it's I just want to let you know that there's a small sacrifice that's made that I, I don't get to talk to my best friend whenever uh, uh, whenever he gets a game played I have to let him console himself or let, <laughs> like he's just he just got to hold his fist up and just do that little pump by himself yeah. like I did good. So yeah, it's been an adjustment. Just like we'll be talking about something like, wait, 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 wait. We gotta, we gotta pump the brakes a little bit. We need to, <laughs> we need to save this for when we're recording. It's like, hey, how'd this unit do? Man, we gotta save we'll talk, it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about. We'll it. talk about it behind the mic. It's like, all right, all right, all right. So, just letting you guys know there. So, but we do have a good episode for you guys. Uh, we do have some uh, uh, an event this Saturday. We do want to talk about. Uh, we have a voicemail from uh, powerful Lucas over at the Taking of Furyx. Hell yeah! Uh, and then we are going to go into some of our hobby progress and some of our games played. A lot of that has to do with the, uh, uh, the Siege the, of Cthonia campaign. Yeah, the Siege of Cthonia campaign that Derek's running in our oh, local yeah. area. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I, I used a um, Cabanda Bound Unbound Bound Bound Cabanda, and he's insane. So just just. Hang on with the podcast till we get to that part because you're going to know what Bound Cabana can do because he's good. So, oh yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, let's talk about the event we have going on this Saturday. Uh, I know you guys heard at the beginning that you know we have the painting contest up and running for the Discord, so I'm not going to reharp on that. But I mean, why wouldn't you come? Turn in your dreadnoughts, let everybody see your dreadnought and possibly win 50 bucks. Yeah, you gotta, you know, pay your respects. I don't know. The Why humble, wouldn't you? The humble cast of Farum, and it's, and it's uh, years of service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Decades, even. Or why wouldn't you show it off your weathered, beat up model? Everybody's trying to pr- uh, paint a grimdark nowadays, That's, you know? As was the style at the time. But speaking of the Discord. Yeah, what's going on in the Discord? This Saturday, that's gonna be Saturday. I believe it's going to be the 1st of July. Yeah, July 1st, out of nowhere, Games Workshop decided they're going to hold a not Warhammer 40K preview. Okay? I don't think it was announced anywhere else prior to yesterday, the uh, the 26th. They just kind of showed up and said, hey. I, yeah, I didn't know about it until you posted it on the Discord as an event. Yeah, so... This this Saturday they're gonna have it a preview event. I saw Horace Harris; he's gonna be in there. They're gonna do some stuff for looks like Lord of the Rings. They're gonna do some stuff for Age of Sigmar. They're gonna do all sorts of stuff. So they're branding it as the not forty k yes preview. Yeah, not Warhammer forty k preview. Well, are we? Do you want to just go ahead and start like tinfoil hat theories on this, or we save that for later? No, we'll, we'll go ahead. What are you thinking? You know what is really, really not forty k? What's that? Epic. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe maybe <laughs> but that's something that we're all going to be able to we'll come find out together yeah and that that's what we're actually talking about right now is uh we're going to host host a watch party in the 
in the Radio Freest Van Discord, uh, like we did for the last event preview, which was excellent because basically oh, yeah. it's all your friends watching together and everybody has commentary. People are talking about it and we're just all getting revealed together. There's people making hilarious jokes. It's a good time. So oh, if yeah. you want to be part of that watch party, just go to warhammerdiscord.com. It'll be a straight invite link to the Discord. Come, come on in. Have fun. Yeah, Bring uh, your friends. Bring your friends. It's a good time. We've gotten a lot of people your, recently. Your friends and my friends should be friends. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So, I did want to bring that up. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I knew literally nothing about it other than, oh, there's a, there's a thing going on Saturday and we're all going to watch it together. <laughs> I had no idea what they said was going to be on it until you told me right now. Oh, by the way, that's at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I guess that's just like a time zone thing. So, I just won't sleep Friday. Yeah, because the powerful UK is like five to six hours ahead of us, depending on whether or not we are currently practicing daylight savings time. I believe it's 2 p.m. their time. Yeah. Which comes into 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. So you Californians, go and get a good night's sleep before. <laughs> Make some coffee. So I did want to get that out there. Uh, I do want to talk about here, we do have a voicemail. Yeah, so if you would like to send in a voicemail, you can call us at 361-265-8658, and you can leave us a message, and we'll play it live on air. Uh, if you don't want to call us, you don't want to worry about it cutting off your message at a certain time, or you don't want to do international calling rates, you can go ahead and hit us up over Facebook, Discord, just reach out to us and send us a video file, and we'll play that as well. Just let us know, and we'll make it happen. That is exactly what we will do. And let me see here. Let me. We got a voicemail from Powerful Lucas. I was actually talking to him yes. in the uh, um, one of my TikTok lives that I was doing. Lucas came in. Oh, that's what's up. And uh, we were talking about the Ferex events, kind of how those have been running. And I was telling everybody in the chat, I was like, this is Lucas. This is like the first guy I met. <laughs> like <laughs> the first Horace Heresy event I went to was in Dallas. And it was Lucas, John Stanford, John Christensen, you know, and William, oh, the, yeah. the gang, right? And uh, those are like those are the first guys I met. And so they put on good events. Yeah, and now they're all grown up and <laughs> you're running their own events. And uh, I think we're all grown up now, right? Like that's what I was thinking. Like come so far, you know. We, the rising tide lifts all ships, man. So now let's see here from powerful Lucas. Let's see what he's got to say. Lucas here from the Taking of Ferex event series. I just wanted to give you guys a call to uh, maybe see if you guys would shout out some events for me. We've got two events coming up um, with a third one in the works. So first we'll talk about um, Texas Open, which is we're going to be doing the Amber Strand Part 2. So we just concluded the Amber Strand Part 1 in Kansas City, and we're going to continue the same narrative on through the Amber Strand Part 2. Um, we're going to be utilizing all of our systems that we kind of add on to the game. So for everybody that's not familiar with that, uh, we have a point of interest system, which is like where you can find stuff on the table. You know, your, your guys walk up to it and they can find stuff, whether it be NPCs or Archaeotech or all kinds of stuff. Uh, we have, we are not allowing named characters but we are going to be utilizing a system we've created called the Ferex Character Forge. And the Ferex Character Forge is basically like, um, think, 
console upgrades, but for Praetors. So it kind of goes over how your Praetor rose to his command and the path he took to get there. So like one of the options is your Praetor could be a world burner. So he like used to be a Moritat and now he is a now he's a Praetor. And he kind of brings some of the stuff that makes a Moritat unique into the Praetor role. There's a bunch of other ones. Uh, I think there's 10 regular ones. And this week sees the release of version 1.2, where we're going to add, or we've added Legion-specific uh, upgrades. So, like, you have the Dark Angels Paladin. You have the Champion of the Red Sands. Um some other really cool stuff so definitely check that out uh, like I said we're using that in place of unique characters and then we have bespoke missions for every table and you know excellent terrain and all of that good stuff that you've come to expect so if you've heard about like the Adepticon recaps from this year and you were kind of like either sad that you missed it or want some more of it we're trying to provide that exact same experience here in Dallas we're utilizing all the same terrain we're utilizing all the same systems so it's going to be basically the same um, just maybe a little bit smaller scale. So get your tickets early. The event is on August 11th through the 13th. It's here in downtown Dallas. Uh, it's actually at Reunion, um, where the hotel where they have Reunion Tower. Uh, so they have a room block. Uh, another cool thing that they have is they actually have a, a buffet that you can buy. I think it's $30 for both days. And so I don't know if you guys have ever been to Dallas, but $15 a day doesn't get you very far in the city as far as food goes. So that's really nice that you don't have to leave the site for food. We actually encourage people to purchase that so they can make it back to their games on time. Um, that'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll have open gaming on Friday night. That won't really be counted to the narrative, but just people kind of trickle in. They can kind of play whatever they want. If they want to play a weird format or whatever, we'll have the CM set up. We'll have regular games set up all that good stuff. Then on Saturday, we'll do two rounds of 3,000-point frontline. So that's regular 3,000-point games. The only restriction we have is that you can't bring unique characters with a unique type, models with a unique type. Um, then we'll have the Mega ZM on Saturday night. So that's been a staple of Ferex events for some time. We have 18 feet of Death Ray Design C ZM, so we're going to ask players to bring a 1,500-point Zomortalis list. Um, details for exactly how we're going to work in reinforcement points are coming soon, but the pervading thought right now is that for this format, we won't be using reinforcement points. So just keep that in mind when you make your list. Um, it's just a regular 1,500-point Zomortalis list, and you will probably have all of it available to you at the same time when you start turn one. So you don't have to worry about splitting it or having the reinforcement points where you only can put some stuff on the table and you got to bring some in. Don't worry about all that. So then on Sunday, we'll have two 3,000 point frontline games and then uh, we'll have a wrap up. So we've got a lot of sponsors, a lot of prize support being given away. In Kansas City, uh, every single player left with more than their ticket price in prize support. So we have a lot, like I said, we got a lot of stuff to give away. That'll be really fun. Um, tickets, I didn't know if I mentioned this, tickets are $80. They're available at texasopen.org, and they will be available up until the event. But we do have a cap of 20 
tickets. So we will see if we can expand that once we hit the cap. But we're about halfway there right now. So if you want the tickets or if you want to come, please get your tickets. The second event that we've got coming up is on July 29th. It's a one-day event at Dallas Games Marathon, which is a cool little venue up in Plano in Dallas. And basically, it's not a game store, but it's just a venue for board gaming, and they have a big event space that they let us use. That one is a $10 entry. Uh, there are probably not going to be price. There's probably not going to be prize support for that one. Uh, any prize support that we get is donated for that. We don't use the big prize support for these events. And um, we do two 3,000-point rounds. Again, no named characters or no unique characters, but we will have the character forge available as well as the points of interest system. So that'll be really fun. Um, John Christensen's actually going to be running that one for us this time, but we do that every other month. So keep an eye out for that if you guys are in the area or if you don't mind traveling for one-day events, we actually have a lot of guys that come down from Oklahoma for those. So that'll be a really good time. Uh, anyways, thank you guys so much. I always love your content. I always look forward to your release every week. And um, I also, Monty, really love watching you on TikTok Live. That's a lot of fun. So I'll catch you later. Thank you. Bye. All right. So, yeah, so powerful Lucas just uh, every other month throwing out an event. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's boy's got two events going on. How do you um, find the time, Lucas? <laughs> How do you find the time? Good people. You Great said, people. Uh, John Christensen, he gets stuff done. Oh, I know John Christensen gets stuff done. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, we can we can work in some time to shout that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, for those of y'all interested, <laughs> the Texas Open. Uh, so I actually have a another voicemail from Powerful Lucas. Oh, follow up. A follow-up. I, I don't know. It, I don't know what it says. We don't listen to it, obviously. So, Hey, guys. Actually, it's me again. Uh, I forgot to give away one crucial piece of information where you can find us at. That's Linktree slash Ferex. So that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Ferex, which is spelled P-H-Y-R-I-X. Uh, you can find the Character Forge there. You can find all these event tickets there. You can find our socials there. You can find our Discord there. You can find pretty much everything we got over there. We have merchandise, all kinds of stuff. So please check us out over there. And like I said, you can join our Discord. Uh, we're almost at 200 members. We're going to give away an Elric's Hobbies base set at 200 members. So we just need a couple more for that. And uh, we'd really like you guys, especially if you're interested in the event series, to come and join the conversation there. All right, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Now I got to go join the Ferex Discord so I can go get a chance to win that Elric Hobbies uh, game turn marker. I believe that's what he's talking about. The, uh, the one John Josh was using this weekend. I believe. That, was, or I think he said base set. Oh, so, base set. Okay. So some bases. Okay. Because they do good bases over there at Elric's. Uh, they also do good uh, turn markers. And turn score and keepers. score keepers. With like the hold the cars and the stuff whole, like that. The whole game trackers. Yeah. Yeah, they look dope. But yeah, if you guys don't know Lucas at Taking of Ferex, you should check him out. Uh, he does good work, puts on good events. The character creator he was talking about, it's very reminiscent of the last edition's The Mournival Rules for character customization. It's really dope. I dig it. I'm going to have to look into that. So like, uh, so no named characters. But like yeah, no, no unique uh, units. Yes. So that's all your named characters, excluding, I think, 
uh, Exodus. Exodus just doesn't have the unique trait. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because he's not unique. Yeah. He's just a guy. He also doesn't have the traitor rule. God bless him. <laughs> so have fun with that. So dig it. Absolutely. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Hell yeah. It's going to be a pretty crazy few months here, I feel like. Because I know we have his events going on. We like If I just scroll into the event side of the uh, of the Discord here, I think we got three events coming up. Uh, obviously, Ferex at the Texas Open. We've got Warzone Houston going on September 22nd. That's coming up, isn't it? I've got my airbrushing and weathering class on July 15th. Yeah. Airbrushing 101. That's going to be for the local guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're in Texas and you want to come down to uh, have a $10 airbrushing 101 class where I teach you how to gunk up your brush, come on down. <laughs> we, we got it for, uh, for a few hours Saturday at the Victoria, Texas uh, Crossroads Art House. Uh, it should be a good time. Those people are super cool, man. I'm... Like, I just told them that uh, there's a bunch of people that want to learn how to airbrush, and they're like, yeah, you can use our studio for it. And I was like, cool. How much do you want to charge you for it? She's like, oh, you, you're fine. I was like, well, I got to make y'all some money. <laughs> so that's why it's a low, low price of $10. because uh, And that all just goes into appreciating those people. And just appreciating the hell out of those people for giving me a studio. Space. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a, a fun, uh, fun couple be, of months here. Oh, yeah. It's going to be jam-packed. So I didn't realize Warzone was around the corner like that. Yeah, man. Warzone is just ow. It's just right there. You can see it. Yeah. Sorry, Luby uh, decided to crawl down my shoulder there. So, yeah, excellent stuff, man. Excellent stuff. It's uh, I definitely have been seeing, like, so, uh, as Lucas mentioned, dude, I've been doing these uh, TikTok lives, right? And I just generally paint for about an hour and a half to two hours every night on stream. And the amount of people that come in to ask me about 30K is astronomical. Like, there's, like, a bunch of people that are in 40K. They're asking me how to play 30K and all this stuff. And it seems like there's more and more of these people that trickle in and say, I would love to play 30K. I just don't know anybody around me that plays. And every time I ask them, it's like, oh, where are you at? It's like, oh, I'm in California. It's like, oh, well, there's a ton of people. Like, there's a huge, a huge number of people that play in California. It's like, oh, I'm in Oklahoma. There's a huge Oklahoma scene. Like, it's it's crazy to me, like, how many people there are out there that play Horace Heresy and aren't aware of the people around them that also play. Just the isolated pockets. Yeah. And so getting them together, I always tell them, it's like, look, man, go to WarhammerDiscord.com or HorusHeresy Discord, 30K Discord. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> go to one of those. It'll take you to the Radio Free Savannah Discord and just go type in general, I'm here, who plays Horus Heresy? And there's going to be people that are going to... Yeah. Nine times out of ten, they'll say, oh, well, this community of like people who do campaigns and events are right in your backyard. Yeah, they are 30 minutes away from you. Or they're, I, I had one guy that came in. He goes, he goes, man, I wish there was people that played Horus Heresy in Indiana. And I was like, get... <laughs> <laughs> The hell's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I've got news for you. <laughs> so, absolutely, guys. If you are looking for somebody that plays and just so happen to listen to this podcast and don't know about the uh, the Discord, hop in there and go find uh, go find some friends. This is a really exciting time, I think, for the game. The game is like thriving right now. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. And I, I wonder how much of that has to do with the current state of forty k. I don't know, man. That forty k is popping right now. I mean, they're going through like a huge, like they're about to like explode. I think 
Like the the issue is the rules that everybody's got are the free like online rules, the index rules. Yeah, they're like the demo game. Yeah, everybody seems to be equally upset at what happened to their rules. Yeah, it's a it's like, it's like a restart, a refresh. Well, this is the free trial edition of 10th edition. Pretty much. So, and then they're going to start trickling in like full-blown rules for like yeah. one army at a time. I mean, I like the concepts they're throwing out with the system, but it, it seems like every unit has the faction ability, the detachment ability, and then maybe one cool thing they get. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. It, it. it seems very free trial version, but once the books come out, I think it's going to be a different story. But a lot of people are like, okay, well, I'm going to take this time to look at some other games. Hey, what's up with Heresy? Yeah, so exactly. Capital, yeah, a lot of people have been capitalizing on that, and Heresy's just been booming right now. Yeah, I mean, we blocked out uh, tables that weren't even available for wargaming with Heresy this weekend at yeah, our local game store. At our local shop with Heresy. Four, four games going on at once, and uh, they <laughs> just people, like trying to find places to play board games. It's like, no, 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 this is a Heresy like day. A, a D&D group is in the back just like, what's going on? So normally, it's, normally the shop's ours on Sundays. What's going on? Mm-mm-mm. Speaking of, dude, you got some hobby progress for us? What's going on? All right. So uh, with my location situation, I haven't been able to sit down and jam out models. I've fair. been I've been working on terrain because I don't know when the apex week is going to be. So I don't know how much time I have to finish it. So I've just been trying to jam out the uh, wreck ship that we were going to use for one of the tables, uh, I think, for Warzone Houston. So this is kind of lighting a fire under me to get that going and get that done because we're going to use that for one of the Apex missions with the crash ship and the grav mines. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, so I've got some, like, just some quick base colors on that with what rattle cans I had kicking around in the garage. And then this week I'm going to sit down and kind of do some sponging, do some detail work on them, get them look good. And try to block out the area that they take up. So have like area terrain for them. Cause they have like actual rules for like searching through it and finding stuff. Gotcha. So you're going to give them bases pretty much just like wrecked ship flooring and stuff and have like the needlepoint mesh, the grainy grading with over like cardboard and, you know, just try to make it look good. Yep. And then one thing I've been looking at is once this is wrapped up, I think there's been people trying to get in and people have been interested about the game. So I think, uh, we tried the same, the Siege of Chthonia onslaught system, but from the Zomortalis side, because it's meant to work both ways. Okay. So that had me thinking about Zomortalis. I've been looking through Zomortalis, and I hadn't really looked through the update yet, because I was like, okay, we're doing Siege of Chthonia campaign. Let me put that over here and focus on what I need to know for this. And I had some free time the other day, and I was flipping through the Zomortalis stuff, and I kind of like the what I'm seeing from it, the reinforcement points. You don't get to start all of your stuff on the table, depending on what type of uh, force organization slot it takes up. It takes a certain amount of resources to set it up on the table at the beginning of the game. Then you get those resources during the game to bring more units in from reserves. Gotcha. And how you bring them in isn't so much on their unit entry as much as how many points you spend to bringing them in. So you can spend more points to do like an outflanking type maneuver. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with that that I just hadn't been focused on. And one thing I do when I'm like trying to sleep is my brain just finds ideas and runs with them. And the Zomortalis, the specific one for Siege of Chthonia is like a network underneath the surface of like tunnels and caverns and stuff. Okay. So I'm thinking like, okay, Zomortalis table, you got the 12 by 12 Necromunda tiles 
and the the Forge World tiles and things like that. Yeah. My brain goes to okay, well let's look at other other systems for that. And so like my, corn mazes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, corn <laughs> mazes. No, but like for underground doing uh so I went on Amazon and I got twelve inch uh hexagonal cork tiles that are meant for like putting on your wall for like a cork board. Okay. And I'm thinking we make little terrain tiles out of that. And I did mock-ups on index cards. I'm showing Michael and he's kind of looking at me like I'm crazy. What are these even supposed to be? Are you going to laser cut them or what? Maybe. So I found tiles that I believe are the right size. I'm waiting on those to come in. How tall are these things? It, however tall I end up making them. I'm thinking of doing the walls kind of with uh, uh, some of the guys suggested expanding foam. Just kind of like make it on the like cheap, the YouTube how to make D&D terrain budget. Okay, okay. And I'm saying, so with hexagons, you have six different orientations of the tile. Real quick, how did you cut out such perfect hexagons from this paper? Uh, so those are three by five index cards. Okay. So one of the measurements is already three inches. I did a lot of geometry on hexa- hexagons into uh, this project. I mean, the, these are very, very nicely cut hexagons. Thank you. Thank you. I did that with scissors. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did one with scissors, and when it came out good, I used it as a template to cut the rest. Wow. And good that's job. just kind of like a proof of concept to see like, okay, well, so Forge World has like these tiles with these walls on them, and then you get like two of each tile to make a table, and then based on the different orientations, you get different setups. So I was like, okay, well, how much work am I looking at? Let me do a little mock-up. So that's like a quarter in, or like a, a quarter of the scale because it's a three-inch instead of a 12-inch. Okay. So some of the uh, board edges get a little weird because they've got the teeth on it because it's not a perfect square. But, yeah, though I think I've said it before. The way my brain works is it thinks of a cool idea and then just shakes it like a dog shaking a toy without letting go. Uh-huh. And I have to, like, sit down and, like, think through why it's a bad idea. And if I can't figure out why it's a bad idea, then it just it's off to the races. And the more I think about it, the more I think hexagons is like a fantastic way to do Zomortalis, especially if these tiles end up being the right size and shape to where they just work in any orientation. Because I think one of the main issues has been every time I see Zomortalis, it's at an event where it's next to a full-blown non-Zomortalis like frontline or however you want to call normal Age of Darkness games. Yeah. And nobody wants to play Zomartalis. They're there to play the full-blown 3,000 point. Yes. And so I'm like, what, what would make Zomartalis more interesting? And I think having a table setup that's a more unique table setup, I think, draws a little more attention. Uh, having a dedicated Zomartalis campaign, I think, brings people to play it. Whereas if Zomartalis is an option, some people are playing Zomartalis, but people are trying to work up to the main... What what they see is the uh, the the main course, versus like the appetizer of Zomortalis. Right. But I, I think there's a lot you can do with the system to make it a lot more, uh, just different and just a completely different experience to have it have its own appeal. So this these uh these hexagons you had handed me here. Yeah, it's just a pile of uh, three by five note cards I cut for our audio listeners just into hexagon shapes so that I throw them down and like mix them up like dominoes and just trying to see kind of what, what that table would look like. 
would that be an interesting Zomortalis table? And they have like little like walls and terrain. Yeah, just trying to figure out how much work I need to do for like columns in the middle to make them interesting, different. Because the walls was one thing I was trying to figure out is do I just want to do them on the edges? Do I want to have them some like cutting into the tile a little bit? How much How much wall is too much wall? Uh, going through the Zomortalis rules, they actually do recommend like a, how much terrain the game's kind of balanced around. So it's like per 12 inch by 12 inch square. You, you're trying to get about 12 inches of wall, maybe one door, uh, this much debris. For the whole table, you're looking for this much uh, like thick terrain. Like The Zomar Talos rules go a lot more in-depth than I thought they would. Yeah, man. Uh, I guess because everybody, when they think about Zomar Talos, they think about the like shipboarding actions, right? Yeah, that's that's what the commercially available Games Workshop Forge World Zomortalis terrain has been. But the options of, you know, hey, this is a sewer or this could be a really tight, you know, building that you're in or all that. All of that's available. Yeah. A warehouse, you know? Yeah, anything where space, everything's going to be close quarters and just that much more impactful. Yeah, no, I get it. So I was thinking there's caves... But honestly, let's say we do approach a regular ship-based table. They call them hive cities. Like hexagons yep. are one of the more efficient ways to to plan stuff like that. Like I think, just thinking about the more I think about that type of geometry versus the grid square tiles, the more interesting I think it gets to me. You know, be tight. What's that? Well, be tight. Like a prison break Zomortalis table, yeah. like where you're breaking into a prison, and the more turns you go, the more like, and it's like kind of one of the, like one of those things where it's like, uh, you have no idea what's on the other side of this door, and so like you ro- like every door you go into is like you know, secret areas. I guess like areas that are un unchecked yet by either side. Yeah. And as soon as you open the door, you uh, like roll the dice or something like that, and then it's you like a table or yeah, it's like oh, there's a uh, fifty like dudes behind it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff you can do with Zomortalis. Yeah, so that that's kind of where I've been in my free time, where I'm not working on stuff. It's just been thinking about this, maybe flipping through. I've been trying to familiarize myself with Zomortalis. Uh, a few people at our local shop have been interested in dipping their toes into 30K, and I think this would be a good way to start capitalizing on interest. Yeah, may as well. May as well. Yeah. Go get those uh, giant uh, cork board <laughs> hey, hexagons if, up and uh, running. I'm, I'm planning on documenting this process with pictures and stuff, and if it is that easy, I don't see any reason. Like, because that was one of the main barriers to Zomortalis, right? So you have to have a Zomortalis table. Which means walls, doors, bulkheads, yep, barricades. It's a lot to ask for a smaller gaming group, especially of newer players. It's it's a little prohibitive, but if I can crack out, like these tiles were, I think twenty bucks for eight, and I think I'd need three packs to make a four by four table. Interesting. So sixty bucks plus the cheapest, quickest, dirtiest, like. Like, I'm subscribed to a few channels on YouTube that do, like, D&D terrain on the cheap. Like, the dollar store cheap. <laughs> okay. So, if I can make this look halfway decent with no budget. <laughs> okay. 
I, I think it'd be worth documenting that process at least for science. Derek, what's this cheap stapler? Oh, that's a wall. That's a wall. <laughs> this is the staplers are walls. I mean, not that cheap. Just like uh, as far as like a texture on it. I, apparently, you can use a general all-purpose caulking, like okay. a silicon. Okay. And then you combine that with like some gray or some black with a little bit of aggregate, like sand and some small rocks. And you're good to go. And you just get a cheap texture paste. Then you just slather that on, on everything. Then hit it with like a dark, dry brush. If you want to get fancy, get you some tufts. Put some tufts in there. Pretty soon you're going to be the, like, the wapple. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly the inspiration. It's just like, hey, turns out you don't need to buy this big, fancy, expensive stuff. Just here's what you do. Mix it up. And it's the same thing. Yeah, don't put paint on your hand. Just put it on this sock that you, that you this tube sock that you cut the foot out of, and just put it on your uh, put it on your wrist there, buddy. I, mean, I feel we'll, you. We'll I'm see. down. Yeah. Oh yeah. And normally, I don't like talking about stuff this early into me having the idea because I think the the idea came to me not last night but the night before, mm-hmm. and I was like, surely it wouldn't just be that easy, right? And then I just look on Amazon. I'm like, well, if these are the dimensions they're saying they are, yeah, they, they would just fit together. And then it's just the question of what do I put on them? And then the problem is going to be storing them. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm like visually, I can't, I can't visualize this, visualize this in my head just yet. But it, it's real early. We're real early in this process. And like I said, normally I don't like to talk about stuff when I have the idea. Because then I get the endorphin rush of people like, oh, it's an interesting idea. And then I don't do it. Well, I mean, you already cut cards out, so we can't go back now. Yeah, I know. But this, I think, is something that I I think would be better if somebody hears this and goes, let me look into it. Like, like if two people hear this and end up making one or two tiles just to test it out, that's going to be worth it, even if I never never get around to it. Makes sense. But I like Zomortalis. I'm interested in what they're doing with it now. I've not looked into it as much as I need to, just because I'm trying to crunch out for Siege of Cthonia the Apex missions, because the campaign's been going really good so far. And it's all kind of leading up to that Apex week. So I want to make sure that Apex week is impactful and memorable. I don't want it to just go out on a wet fart. Yeah, no, makes sense. So part of that's going to be the terrain. Part of that's going to be... Just the missions, because there's a lot of... There's a few things in the rules for the missions that I'm like, how does this work? What? How should I rule this? I don't want to have to make that decision. I want to run it as, you know, as vanilla from the book as I can. But somebody's going to ask this question, and I need to know what to say. Gotcha. Have you run into any of that? I've not playtested the missions yet. Uh, I was looking to maybe do that a little bit with some people who uh, are cool with their missions not counting. Okay. Because I don't want those to count for a week leading up to the Apex week, and I kind of don't want anybody to go into it with more experience than anybody else. Makes sense. Okay. Which, I mean, uh, the details for the mission are available to everybody playing it in my player's packet. So just because I don't want to, like, surprise people with stuff and like, oh, I didn't know that this mission could be 4,000 points. I didn't know that I might need 3750 or I can't deep strike in this mission. So I, I tried to make as much of that available up front as I could. Okay, okay. That's fair. Which, if you don't know, and you're playing in a Siege of, Cath- Siege of Cthonia campaign, the Apex missions in that book do not allow you to deep strike or drop pot assault or subterranean assault. 
So figure something else out for 4,000 points. Maybe invest in some type, uh, like a Warhound. If you know somebody with a Warhound, you can borrow. Yeah, I know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on some things. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw saying. a Warlord Titan beat the shit out of somebody this weekend. I was a... Or, uh, yeah, Tyler <laughs> Tyler had to stare down a Warlord Titan this week. I was like, I'm, I'm a trader, so I saw it and I was like, Glad go get him. Go get him, John. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, people have been just casually dropping Titans this Sunday at the shop. It's been nuts. I've never seen a Warlord Titan used in a regular game. Yeah, in a that, non-apocalypse game. Well, like that, because uh, you don't just drop a warlord on somebody right yeah there's a little bit of lead up to it they, they kind of got to know it's coming so uh so in this case you know we're playing this campaign and one of the like they use that as one of the stratagems is that you can use a titan support and uh i'm pretty sure tyler kind of expected it i know he did yeah so, but you know yeah because john hit him up was like hey are you cool with doing a four thousand point game He's like, uh, yes. (laughs) You want to do some weird shit? (laughs) So I don't know that he was expecting it, but he was definitely trying to prepare for it. Uh, He asked me for uh, three conversion beamer predators. He knew knew (laughs) it was coming. (laughs) Yeah, he did. (laughs) I was like, did you get the Memetum host, my guy? (laughs) They're loyalists. (laughs) Oh, you having Titan problems? (laughs) You you need somebody to help you handle some Titans? So... But no, it was cool seeing it. It was cool seeing it there, not in a uh, apocalypse style game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So apparently that that game, there was some science to be had from how that went. Just so, absolute fight for his life over there. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to pin one of them down and talk about it yet, but I need to because I, I, every time I looked over, they both looked like excited and confused. <laughs> like I, I was not expecting this. What do we do now? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Spoiler alert, that game was close. Figuring out where, like, how templates work, figuring out things like that is, uh, gets kind of interesting whenever you're looking at Warlord Titans. Yeah, a, a lot of things you don't have to ask. Like, hey, if I drop a template on this model, what happens to the other models between that guy's legs? <laughs> yeah, things get weird when you deal with 10-inch templates. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, what happens if I hit a Dreadnought with a Bellicosa Volcano Cannon? It's like, oh, okay. It's like, well, it turns out uh, the... At least my interpretation of it was the prior, not primary, destroyer weapon type does D3 wounds that they save against. And then everyone that they fail, because it is instant death by being double their toughness, D3. then becomes D3 from the animated deflector instead of instant death. That makes sense. It's like, okay, well, that's a good way to push up to like nine wounds on a dreadnought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't feel like a dreadnought. Um, no, it's possible they could live through Bellicosa. I mean, yeah. I think in canon, I think they they could possibly, you make, know. Make your invul. Yeah. <laughs> Pray. You're already dead. <laughs> You're already in liquid, so it'd be all right. I don't know. It, just, it, it feels like Dreadnoughts are the only thing in the game right now that you can't just handle with one shot. Vulcan. I mean, well, but Primarchs. <laughs> are you, if you could handle a Primarch with one shot, like that, that'd be kind of like, oh, oh. I was hoping. I was hoping. But, you know, learned really quickly. But, yeah, the this campaign has been popping off. It's been going way better than I could have imagined. And it it does my heart good. Like, John pulled out his Warlord 
Uh, Josh busted out a Warhound against Kayla. I saw that. And he didn't even bust a stratagem. He just had the points for it. it was, yeah. That's 750-point Warhound. Yeah. I looked over, and turn one, it was, like, in her deployment zone with that flamer. Yep. <laughs> like, I didn't realize those things had scout. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have scout and a torrent, and it's a... Uh, it's a they, lot. They get I'm, pretty I'm told mean. it's a lot. It definitely is. Uh, and he only had a single uh, single flamer. He did yeah. not have the duel. Yeah, because he had the, the flamer and the plasma, I think, right? Uh, I thought it was a turbo laser. I don't know. Yeah, I saw it model-wise. The model had a plasma. Yeah. No, there was a turbo laser. Oh, is it? Yeah, left left hand was a turbo laser. Right hand was the, uh, the flamestorm cannon. Huh. It was a... Uh, it was a ride. <laughs> it was a ride to watch. <laughs> they uh, they did pretty good. I think because uh, it looked like from what I was watching, it looked like Kayla started up. Uh, she kind of infiltrated up forward a little bit, which yeah. kind of was a bad idea when you're that close to a Warhorn ti- Warhound Titan. Well, if you're on the table, you're too close to a Warhound Titan. Yeah. But I think her plan was to uh, try to get his Warlord out and take him out for that decapitation strike. Sweet, sweet bonus victory points. Oh, that wasn't happening. No. <laughs> and then, uh, what if she, she sees though? If she had seized though, she probably could. she needed her. Uh, she needed her terminators to come on. That's what she really needed. Yeah, and the game was over before they showed up. Yep. But I mean, it's an eight hundred point unit, so you're you're not committing too much to the table when those are missing. But yeah, so I got to play her list last week, like before we closed out round two. And uh, we had a pretty good game. We played the uh, the first mission. I forget what it's called, but you have the three objectives, and it works pretty basic. Crucible of War. Yes. Okay. So you get you know three uh, three objectives. They're worth one victory point each, and play the mission. Four turns, and every player turn, if you're on the objective, you gain a victory point. Yeah. So yes. they're not worth points at the end of the game. They're worth points every single turn. Twelve possible points. Plus your secondaries. Plus your secondaries, which the secondaries are uh, Slay the Warlord. It is the uh, outlast your opponent kind of like if you're not running at the end of the table, have more more units that are not running away than they have. Right. And then uh, the last one is the uh, just... A couple, a couple more than that. So there's First Blood, which is kill a unit yeah. in the first uh, game turn. Then there's one that works like that, but it's on your first player turn. So there's two different uh, secondary objectives that give you points for killing a unit. I don't know if that that one's on Crucible of War. I'm pretty sure all of those use every every secondary objective from the list. Uh, In any core mission, the following secondary objectives will always be in play. Slay the Warlord, Giant Killer, Last Man Standing, Break Their Ranks, and First Strike. Okay. So you should be using those in every one of the core missions we're playing in Siege of Cthonia. Which I like having five secondary objectives. Just get used to these because they're going to be... In all- I like these core missions. I just like everything about these core missions. I like four turns. Four turns is amazing. Like, that's the perfect game length. Yeah, I do I do like the four missions. The the, the four missions, like, I think is probably... I'm sorry, four, four turn turns. Mission. Yeah is going to be something that 
just the new standard. I think. is going to be the new standard. Like I think you're going to start turn seeing five it. And turn in six is just cleanup. More events. Yeah, I, I would start bringing this into events. Uh, four turns. Because it, it, what it promotes is it promotes you to get out there and move. It makes the games faster. Yeah. Hey, uh, that objective is worth points right now. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. There's a, a lot of things to do with the the four turns. Like it, it made our games. I, I think we we had a a two hour like an hour and a half two hour match, and we played all four turns. Me and Kale played all four turns, and it took like four and a half hours. Oh yeah, no. I played. Uh, yeah, uh, my match against uh, Mauer took uh, about an hour and a half two hours. Yeah, it, it seemed like y'all had that sweet spot where it's like the game's over. You're not just like wiped out from playing this long slog all day. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. But yeah, so break their ranks. If a player causes one or more enemy units to have all their remaining models removed as casualties, uh, including falling back off the table in their first player turn, you get a victory point. If it's elites or HQs, you get a bonus. First strike, if you cause an enemy units to be entirely removed as casualties, including falling back during the first game turn, then you score one victory point, two if it was an HQ or an elite. So that's potentially four victory points if just you kill an elite or an HQ unit on your first turn. Yeah, that's pretty serious. That, and then you get Slay the Warlord, which is another victory point for just killing models. And then you get Last Man Standing for having more units on the table at the end of the game than your opponent. You're looking at a good chunk of victory points without considering objectives, if that's how you want to play. So if Kayla would have Decapitation Striked an HQ on the first turn? The whole unit. The whole unit. That would have been five victory points or what? Yes. That's a that's bonkers. Yeah, that's what I was telling. It's like, hey, your best bet is if his warlord is in a unit on the table and they are within infiltrating, scouting, and moving distance, and you have first turn. If you can put those uh, those rending four volkites on that squad, and you can put your uh, precision shot seekers on that squad, you might get enough victory points to run away with the rest of the game. I think I think that right there is like that is like just waiting for the God Slayer list to be revisited. Because yeah. you drop pot assault plus some more Dathan in uh, with a, a more oh, attack. For a second, I thought a giant killer included Primark. There's another secondary is if you take out a super heavy, a knight, a titan, or a lumbering model, then you get a, two victory points. I thought that had Primarchs in as well. I guess not. I think it should. Yeah, so you, you got Slayered up. So if you decapitation strike. You know, drop out assault to cap. Oh no, yeah. So a lot of things can just kind of and Anvilus. I guess you'd have to have a. You can take Anvilus. I think the uh, I think more Dathan gets some interesting options for dedicated transports. If not, they can infiltrate and scout. Yeah, things get a little weird when you infiltrate and scout up, especially if you don't get first turn. Then you get Warhound tightened. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is quite true. Yeah, no. I mean, and what's cool about that is that's kind of available for everybody. I mean, if if you're not Raven Guard, then uh, then you are kind of limited to just three victory points. But I mean, three victory points is still three victory points out the gate. Well, I mean, depending on the unit, four. If you oh no, I'm going for HQ every time. Okay, but if it's like a command squad or just a unit that is bought as an HQ. Yeah, no, I'm going for HQ squad every time. Yeah, so. Uh, if you're looking across the table, if you're checking your opponent's list and it says King Slayer or God Slayer across the top, 
Maybe keep that unit in reserve. Yeah, yeah, can run. I can first put, turn is a huge liability. I can put a command squad of Blood Angels inside of Drop Pot Assault, run them with a Praetor, run nine dudes, all with Inferno pistols, <laughs> and then Drop Pod them directly on a Praetor. Even if he has a command squad, I'm still hitting you with nine <laughs> Inferno <laughs> pistol insta-killing shots that are ballistic skill four, you know. I guess I could do like a... Yeah, I mean, you can do some wild stuff to bump it up. Yeah, if you want to double down on I'm not playing the mission, you do have options. I'm playing secondaries, baby. Yeah, secondaries are worth almost as much as primaries. And if you can deny primaries and just capitalize on secondaries, your opponent might not be expecting it. Mm, 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 mm. And you're basically taking that reaction away from them if they have that warlord trait, whatever extra warlord trait, whatever extra reaction they're getting. Yeah. Just... Cut the head off, and now it's like, all right, cool. But they'll probably cut your head off too, because you got the your warlord and their deployments in. It'd be some interesting stuff, but it'd be a, a very fun yeah. situation altogether. And uh, then it comes back to, right back to we're getting to the action turn one. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, cool. I'll just uh, the rest of my army will be back there doing stuff. They're all they're, they're taking their uh, union mandated smoke breaks. They're taking hard drives out of computers and stuff <laughs> on the objectives. Yeah, this guy's, I guess, taking the satellite dish or whatever. <laughs> I just imagine a bunch of Space Marines little drills <laughs> taking out hard drives on computers. And that's what they tell us to do. I don't know. Boss is doing cool stuff over there. <laughs> He's trying to pull a magnet off a, off a servo skull. <laughs> Come back here with that. You shouldn't have that. So... But yeah, so I, I ended up playing Kayla. We did that Crucible of War mission. It was a pretty basic game. Uh, I was ahead a little bit, and then last turn, her Terminators get a 12-inch uh, charge to my Praetor in a unit of Night Raptors. And that was a natural 12-inch charge? Double six boxcars? That was a boxcar charge. Good lord. And then... Did she need 12 inches? Yeah. And she knew she needed 12 inches, and she still rolled for it? Yeah. Bless her. Well, they weren't charging anything else. That was balls out, dude. I mean, that's like that's the way to do it. Yeah, so she had a close combat contemptor that had already made that charge. That's so fucking cool, man. Like, there is no better feeling than rolling boxcars when you need boxcars. Well, especially because I was being a little shit about it. It's like, oh, uh, can these guys charge you? I'm like, well, let me check. Yeah, it's a 12-inch, though, so you got to roll double sixes. And I guess I'll hold against them so that, you know, if they do make it, I get you don't get the bonus for charging, and if you don't make it, I you're you still make everybody else disordered. So if you charge me and I take the hold reaction, hold the line, and I make my leadership check, if you pass your charge, then just the charging unit is disordered. Everybody else can charge just fine. If the charging unit fails, then you hold the line against everybody else. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh yeah. So when they fail. Either they make it and I still get it, or they fail and I get it against your contemptor, which is actually going to charge in and clean up. Because I only had, I think, the Praetor, the uh, Night Raptor Sergeant, and I think one or two guys plus the Apothecary left. And I'm like, yeah, this Dreadnought's going to kill three this turn. And then I get last turn, it's going to kill three more. But no, she made that 12 inch charge. And I'm like, oh, well, damn. <laughs> How many still left in that unit? 13 Terminators? Ugh. And what did she charge against? Like, what was my unit? Yeah. It was a like four guys left in a Night Raptor squad. Wow. With my Praetor, a Chaplain, and Apothecary. Oh, and she just ate it for breakfast, I'm guessing. 
Also, the Dreadnought hit first, and I was actually worried about that because these guys are two wounds. But I'm like, I can't make all those saves. Yeah, but that's instant death, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all my initiative five swung at the Dreadnought and actually killed it. Oh, okay. I'm like, hell yeah. Now I got to tank all these Raven Talons, rending five up, just eating my lunch. Oh, you're, you don't get the extra attack for charging. There's still four attacks each. And it did not need all the attacks. No, no. After like half of them, it's like, okay, you can stop. They're dead. So Mm-mm-mm. last turn, charging in, cleaning those up. Slay the Warlord. And those are deliverers, right? Those are Raven Guard deliverers from the Exemplary Battles update. Yeah. It's an 800-point unit, but it's 15 Terminators. Three of them have multi-meltas. The rest of them have twin Raven Talons, which are Lightning Claws that rend on a 5 instead of a 6. And they can just teleport on their own. Hmm. So they drop in. It's only one unit. That's the only unit she deep strikes. So who cares if it's disordered? Yeah. Oh, I scattered away from your guys. Well, I get to place the rest of the unit. And they don't have to be in circles. They have to be in coherency. Yeah. So I just conga line terminators with them big ass bases until I'm right where I need to be. Uh, Get pinned. And then get charged. (laughs) Get pinned everybody that's anywhere near me. Oh, you're in a tank? Well, here's three multi-meltas. I bet that has something to say about that. Hmm. It's a nasty unit, and my plan was, okay, I'm going to have stuff going on on this side of the table. They hit, and they ate a couple units. Nothing I can do about that. And then I go and, like, I'm going to play the objectives on the other side of the table because I have jump packs. Yep. But then you just make a 12-inch charge, and just none of that matters anymore. Wow. That sounds like uh, it got pretty close there for a second. You were almost away. I almost got away. I thought I got away. And I would have gotten away, too, if it hadn't been for that 12-inch charge. And then the extra victory points from Slay the Warlord kicked it off, and she actually ended up winning that game by one or two points. Well, good for her. Hell yeah. And then Sunday, like I said, Sunday we had four games going on at the shop. So I played Kale, and that game was nuts. He was running the Achaean configuration, Thousand Suns, Loyalist Thousand Suns. Which is like Castlex Cities. Oh, yeah. Any of his perils, he can just shunt them over to a castle axe within 12 inches. And as long as he's got a psyker within 12 inches of a castle axe, that castle axe is scoring. Okay. So he has nine castle axe that are scoring and just eating his, uh, his perils of the warps. Was he periling a lot or no? Yeah. So actually, one thing that happens with the Siege of Chthonia is called a seal in blood. Psychic checks get harder to to pass like as the game goes on or as the uh, campaign goes on like next round, it'll be like a minus two modifier to leadership checks. Okay. But it'll be plus two to the strength of psychic weapons, force weapons and demons and corrupted. Lovely. So all of his checks get harder because the warp is more turbulent, but because it's more turbulent, they hit harder. So, yeah, he was perilsing, but he was shifting over and shifting those wounds onto robots who would then explode. Because they have, the, yeah, they've got the same adamantic deflector that contemptors have. And so it was like all these little uh, castlacks just popping everywhere or what? Well, so the mission was there's one objective in the center of the table, mm-hmm. and our deployment was the uh, table quarters. Yeah, so you can get really close to it. So we're all, we're both just right up on it. And then he seizes the initiative on me. So he's got robots on it turn one. 
his uh, his contemptor is pinning my night raptors every turn. Okay. With the uh, the telepathy? No. The divination? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. The The hallucinations. I forget yeah. which school it's under. But yeah, basically you get six shots with it, and for every hit, that's a plus one to the die roll on your opponent's pinning check from it. So because it's a plus one to the die roll and not a minus one to their leadership, having a chaplain in the unit, which I did, doesn't matter. Because stubborn protects my leadership value, but it doesn't protect the die roll. Mm, so if you rolled a four and he got six of those hits off, then you're rolling a ten regardless. There's yeah. nothing. Which, I mean, chaplain's leadership ten. Yeah. But I did not roll that. Yeah. I rolled poorly. So that unit was pinned. How many hits was he getting through with that? Was he, was he doing good with it? Not as good as he was hoping because we were doing night fighting and it is a shooting attack. What was like the average? Uh, Three or four. Okay, and which, then you're just like rolling like a seven or an eight. Yeah. Oh. Enough to make your average rolls not work. Mm. That so, is such good power. Oh, yeah. And then I brought three sabers. Which What's I, the range on that? And his Osiris Dreadnought can cast that out? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if he's allowed to. He believed he was allowed to, and I don't know that he's not allowed to. Okay. I trust it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I didn't like audit his list yet. Okay, well, if, I, if I need to, I can. <laughs> Post game audit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> let me see. Let me see if this counts. If we can. If we can report this. Uh, the ref is going to go call a replay on the game. <laughs> we're going to. We're there's, gonna a, there's a flag on the play. We're going to go to the sidelines. Hold on one second. We're going to see if we can uh, get some clarification <laughs> on that ruling. But yeah, so. That really hurt having what is ostensibly like a six, seven hundred point unit once you count for the characters just pinned for half the game. Yeah, no, I mean, that's smart. If you basically, yeah, it's it, like the cheapest way to handle a unit is to toss out some psychic dreadnoughts, some, yeah, some psychic dreadnoughts on them. So, his thought process, I think, was that the Castellacs are not great to rely on because they're like weapon skill three. They only have a three-up save, so all of your AP3, you're not tanking it on anybody. So he, he kind of balanced it out with some of the uh, more powerful aspects that they can take, like the mass amounts of pinning. I think both of his contemptors, his contemptor Assyrian had that power. Yeah, a contemptor Assyrian Dreadnought Talon composed of a single model may be upgraded to an Assyrian Magus Dreadnought. Yep. And select a single psychic discipline from the core psychic discipline list. Mm -hmm. And because he's a dreadnought, it adds it as an additional weapon, as a psychic weapon. Mm. And he can just shoot all of his guns. So he gets to shoot that. He gets to use the, uh, the arcana to let your first wound from shooting be allocated by him. So he like pins my unit and then gets that power off and then shoots him with the las cannon. And tells me to put the wound on my chaplain. Messed up. Yeah. That is wild. That's a cool... I mean, that could get really nasty. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to get absolutely buck wild with it, you could. Uh, he just kind of used that to compensate for other parts of his list that uh, were underperforming from his perspective. And I think, uh, I think Thousand Suns could possibly be better at pinning entire armies than, uh, than oh, night lords sure. can be. For sure. But then you're just running all those uh, hallucinations. 
You, show, you roll up, you say, hey, all of your stuff is pinned. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can take that makes this easier. We're taking these hard drives over here. And so your guys are going to sit there. The ones that aren't pinned, we're just going to go ahead and hit them with everything we've got. Uh, your turn, what do you do? Oh, it's nothing? Cool. I, let me do that again. <laughs> Dudes in the back are like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thankfully, all like he only had the two contemptors doing that. Everybody else kind of had... Uh, his warlord had the pyromancy, where he's just throwing out those templates and they're exploding. It's like, hey, don't end your turn here. Oh, you're pinned. Sorry, that sucks. What are those cast like? Is this heavy support or what? Uh, he can take them, I think, as troops in that uh, Oh, wow. War. Okay. And then because they're within six inches of a Psyker, and by Psyker, I mean Dreadnought, they count as line. Mm. So it, it quickly became just this huge cluster over the objective because I had my Night Raptor unit with my Praetor in reserves. They drop in. They charge like four units. I'm like, I don't care. I, I lose one attack. I've got lightning claws on everybody. Let's go. Wow. So I, I'm running Night Raptors in 15-man squads with uh, twin lightning claws on everybody because it's the same points as the chain glaives. Okay. You're getting way more attacks. You're getting shred. You're getting rending. You're getting all the good stuff you want. I throw a chaplain in there because shred plus hatred is fun. It's a, it's a beefy unit. And thankfully, I got that reserves rolled in because if I hadn't got them in turn two, I probably would have been wiped. But have been tabled. Yeah. Because the sabers, the sabers were doing work, but when they're firing back with las cannons and a Derradeo, it hurts. Yeah, sabers are just like a good... Um, they, they need you, something to hide behind. You know, in like World War II, they would have those, uh, those giant silver blimps that would float high above to, to like... I guess stop flak or stop missiles. I don't know what they would do, but they're like decoys, like these giant blimps that would okay. like float. I feel like that's what sabers are. Like they're essentially just to, uh, they're there to take a last cannon. So something <laughs> else doesn't have to take a last cannon. Yeah. So what I, what I do with them in night Lords because of a talent for murder, it still applies to vehicles and vehicles count as 10 models. Yep. So a squadron of three sabers, they outnumber you. So they get plus one to wound. They also get plus one on their armor penetration rolls. For the turn they're alive. Well, yeah. But I'm playing Terror Assault, so we have night fighting. And all their guns are 24-inch range. And they're fast, so they start outside of 24 inches plus your movement. Which is within 24 inches plus their movement. So How many turns did they make it alive? Three. Oh, you're, they lived. No, I mean, I lost a, I lost one a turn steadily throughout the game. Because <laughs> all they did, they, they, they no, lived. No, well, they, not really. No. They, they really didn't have any of the, the targets they want to go after because they're like, all right, well, I'm going to shoot this dreadnought. Oh, okay, I hit him with a multi-melt. Oh, he saved it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right, your turn. No, nah, I'm kind of a... I mean, they work, they work really well. It's just they didn't have good, juicy targets. And the Derradeo's like, oh, it's night fighting? Well, my helical targeting array says I still get to shoot you. So uh, go ahead and take that one off the table. <laughs> Please remove uh, said saber off the table. Get that saber off my table. So he got the objective a little earlier than I did, but by the end of the game, I lost more guys to his <laughs> Castlax exploding than anything else. That was the plan. Because they explode and then they throw hits on everything within so many inches. They put more wounds on themselves. And those so dudes are just burning with just, witch fire. They're just chain exploding. 
<laughs> like they're exploding because I'm hitting them in combat. They're only weapon skill three, initiative three. They're exploding in his psychic, like when he's doing psychic stuff because he's allocating his perils on them. It, it was just nuts. Uh, but by the end of the game, I had I had more units on the table, so I got more victory points. He had the objectives longer, so we actually evened out. We okay. both brought the Remembrancer Core stratagems, so every time we get a victory point, we roll a D6. That thing's powerful. A lot of people use that on Sunday. Yes. That's a very powerful, powerful... I think so, it was like four... I think Tally got four victory points out of that. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. So we both ended up actually coming to a perfect draw. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're like, all right, well, I'll take it. We shook hands over it. Shook uh, hands, small kiss to the cheeks, and... Uh, <laughs> Our warlords took each other out in a challenge. That's... Oh, they had the same initiative or what? Yeah. That's beautiful. It was a good time. And the remembrance was like, write that down, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Rocky moment. It's like the two of them just like hitting each other and like freeze frames and it turns into a painting. Paint that. Paint that right now. <laughs> but yeah, that game took a, like down to the minute. It was a tug of war. And it's like, well, we can't really call it here because I've got more units on the table. And if I get this remembrance roll, I think I win. And I didn't get the roll. I was like, okay, well, then let's count this up. And it ended up being like a, like a dead even tie at the end. It was like, it was nuts. We, like we, we nobody could have expected that. Like yeah. every turn just felt like a slog. Like no, like neither of us, I think, were like thought we were winning. Every time somebody come over, be like, "How's it going?" Like at the same time, we both be like, "Oh, it's rough." Like, "Oh, well, how are you doing?" And we both just at the same time, not well. Fantastic, but, but man, it, it was a fantastic game. Just down to, the, I love when they're down to the wire. Yeah, those are the games you want. But also by the end of it, he's like, "Hey, I, I'm gonna get yelled at when I'm when I get home. I gotta go. I'm like, I feel it. So, but yeah, that's been kind of my week is just prepping for the Apex week and then getting some games in and trying to facilitate cool stuff. Sounds like fun. Sounds trying like to, trying to brainstorm a new stupid project that I don't need to work on. Hey, man, you you made perfect postcards so far for them. So if that's a if that's a indication of how this project's gonna go <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean a good start i might just give it extra priority just because it's a, another zomortalis table which we're gonna need if we're gonna do a bunch of zomortalis games do you foresee that do you foresee us doing a bunch of zomortalis games i mean it'd be really cool if we did <laughs> if not i'd like to have a zm table there you go do it so you get a zm table yeah i mean that's what i'm doing it for yeah. And then if people see said ZM table, and be like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it took like nothing to make. Here's, here's a guide that I made of pictures of me doing it. Maybe we see more cool tables like this. I don't know. Well, you're off to a good start with the perfectly cut postcards. Yeah. It literally just a proof of concept. Like, hey, what does this table end up looking like? And I'm like, I dig it. But yeah. What about you, man? What have you been working on? Uh, so I've been... I was furiously painting for uh, the campaign mission, the campaign game that I had this weekend. Uh, I was trying to keep it under wraps, but I painted up a Cabanda model, Cabanda, bound mm-hmm. Cabanda model. Um, Hell yeah! And, and like I said, every night I've been going live, so there's been a lot of like painting my thick boys in order to get them ready, and then in addition, like sneakily painting a, Caban- a bound Cabanda 
to run in this uh, in this mission against uh, Maurer. Um, so got that rolling. One of the things that sucks the most is I have this uh, uh, Magna Rack, right? Yeah. And all of, since I'm running nothing but infantry, I can take all of my uh, assault marines because I took a day of revelation list. It was essentially uh, three ten man assault squads with uh, with apothecary and tech marine, a praetor with a uh, uh, with a command squad, a esoterist, yeah, cabanda, and then. Uh, the cult abominatio or cult abominatio yeah. uh, assassin, the traitor Abominus, assassin, or infernus abomination. Yeah, infernus abomination. Love and, that guy. And uh, three land speeders. And so I, I got my list ready, but uh, the day of, you know, I had Tyler hit me up. He was like, "Hey, man, do you think I could borrow a predator with some conversion beamers?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll make sure I put those aside for you." And I did that. And in the process, I took my cabanda off of my oh, no. uh, off of my case and put it down next to my case. So when it was like game day, I just grabbed my case, and so I forgot my cabanda model. So I had to use uh, Ryan's uh, Bellicor model as my cabanda. But it felt so shitty because like during the day of, I was like, "Hey man, I have a cabanda painted. This is what it looks here's like. The, here's the proof. Here's the receipt." I didn't just decide to play cabanda because i saw your list i was like this was like a planned list like weeks ago but it, it just felt weird and felt shitty tyler's on your team he'll vouch for me <laughs> he's like yeah I've, I've been painting this i i know that i haven't been showing progress in the discord that i've been painting this <laughs> there's a lot of video of me painting stuff that's not cabanda <laughs> so so i definitely uh uh had a fun uh fun week trying to get that ready and get that going um got all that running in addition uh, one of our local guys uh, got the Leviathan box. Yeah. And so he had asked if I could paint the Terminators for that Leviathan box. And so I treated it like a commission, and I've just been going, like, full out with these Terminators and just been having a blast with them, dude. They're so nice. Um, just getting those painted up, getting them looking good. I've uh, been yeah. doing like a lot of like tips and tricks videos as far as like how to how to do weathering and things like that because essentially when I'm going live, it's just the same questions like over and over again like what red are you using, what colors are you using, uh, how to use an airbrush, how do you do this, and so what I'll do is I'll take all those questions I get while I'm doing it live, and then I'll just make an additional follow up video. It's like hey, this is how I do this because all of y'all are asking. But the community, dude, I don't know if you see, like, basically, like, every night I go live, you'll just see, like, a bunch of people join the Discord. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it, like, just truly, waves. Yeah, it's just, like, that's truly what's going on. Like, I'm in there meeting new people, talking to them, uh, hang out. Usually, like, Barth is in there. Lucas is in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a bunch of, like, uh, a bunch of uh, co-creators, like, Omicron Samurai inside of the, uh, the Discord's in there. Uh, beard and brushes is in there. It's like a lot of like other TikTok creators that also go live. They come in my lives at night and all this stuff, and they talk and all this jazz. So it's a really good time, man. Been loving the pro acryl paints. Uh, I finally got my hand on some uh, pro acryl uh, sable brushes. Oh, really? Uh, they get their own sable brushes. Yes, yeah, and they're very like they get runs of them in, and they sell out like instantly. And uh, it was funny because. 
they got a bunch in and it like they said they had announced like early they're like hey we're getting these in at 8 a.m so order you know get ready to order and so uh currently i'm using a rafael 8404s mm-hmm. which i love my rafael 8404 it's my favorite brush i it actually fell like underneath my desk the other day and yeah. i couldn't find it and like i didn't even want to start painting until i found it like it, i looked for this thing and this this little cat right here knocked it down and so <laughs> I, I found it got a hold of it little knucklehead um but the other day monument had this sale where they got the restock of their brushes in and i ended up uh uh i had to go to work or had to go to the field like my plan was to order it and then like I got kind of like an emergency call where I had to like head out to the field. And then by the time I was like, you know, it was like I went to lunch and lunch was over and I was like, freak those freaking brushes, dude, I forgot. And so I went and immediately went to the website. I was like, you know, do they have any more of these sables left? Cause I want to run these sables and sold out. And I was like, dang it, dude. I was like, of course they did. Right. Of course. And then I thought, well, you know, battle pub in San Antonio, they are a, uh, a monument hobbies dealer let me see if they got any brushes in and so immediately i went to battle pub and uh they had the four brushes available and they didn't have the pack they had them like individually by four and i was like order 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 like got them on the way and i told tyler because tyler's been looking at for some sables as well and he's like uh uh as soon as i sent the link to tyler it took him like a couple hours to like read the link and all that stuff and we got in he goes hey man they're sold out i was like sorry bro like i tried i tried tried my best so uh got those in got to paint with them they're as good as i thought they were going to be um they're excellent excellent brushes dude like i i don't know why i would expect them to be any different that i mean it seems like uh you know Monument Hobby seems to be just kind of like kicking out gold right now as far as all their products they're offering. Uh, their their paints are amazing. Their brushes are amazing. Uh, it's I mean, when the ideology is, what do I want to use? Yeah. What do I look for in a paint? Okay, that should be what our paint is. What do I look for in a brush? All right, that should be the brushes we're selling. That's 100%. It's, it's, it's Hobby Supplies by Hobbyist, and I mean, that's really the kind of the mantra that they're following. That's what you want. And I mean, I've been happy with every single thing that, that I've gotten so far. Uh, I've been using their paints. I've been using their washes. I've been using their metals pretty much every single time I'm going live or posting up my progress. It's always what paints are you using? Because it's, they're so bright and vivid and it's like, yeah, I'm using pro Krill. Um, so if you haven't jumped on that game yet, man, uh, definitely get on the pro curl game. <laughs> it's, it's, it, they're good stuff. It's a bandwagon for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the cool things that I recently tried this weekend, uh, was the, uh, the transparent white instead of uh, white ink. I use their transparent white. Okay. It is incredible. It is such a, it, it's, Just you a know, light. It's a delight. You know how, like, when you use a white ink, the, I guess, like, and it's not the correct terminology, but kind of like the the paint dots, they're a little larger than. Yeah, the, I'm I'm told that has to do with the the way they make the pigment is it's usually made from chalk for yeah, white pigment. Yeah, and that causes it to be a little clumpy. Okay, that doesn't happen at all with a transparent paint. It, it truly is like a white transparent paint. Then if you build up multiple layers of it, 
it is a silky, silky smooth transition. Mm. It is so stupid nice. <laughs> so, uh, I had that uh, Terminator commission, right? And so, it was five Blood Angel Terminators is what you know the client wanted. And what I ended up doing was... I had recently watched the uh, Cult of Paint paint up their, yeah, their Blood right, Angel. Right on time, they'd put that out. Yeah, and so uh, uh, what I ended up doing was I did the white Xenothal highlight on top of them, and then I did the uh, bold pyrrole red on top of that, and then underneath I did a burnt red, which is like their darker like corn red. And then once all of my uh, reds were established, I came back through with a white transparent and I hit them on top again. And so it looks completely ridiculous, right? And so... How was that after the filter? Is it just uh, everything you want it to be? Everything you could imagine. And so like, it was so funny because like even Tyler was in like the chat. I was like, look, this is something I learned from Cold to Paint. We're trying it on this commission piece. Like we're just going to go for it, right? (laughs) And so like I've got these like which is like essentially like a very good established red. Like I've been using this uh, two tone red uh, with white with a Zenithal highlight. I've been using it for all my models, and I was like, "Look, we're gonna take this to the next level." So I've got this like ready to go red, and then you just like basically spray the top. It looks like they're covered in snow, and it's just like they look ruined. And then you're like, "Okay," and now we're gonna come back with uh, with <laughs> this go, bold I'm red. Let me go have a breakdown real quick <laughs> over what I just did to this model. And uh, once you put that last layer of red on there, it's like this beautiful, beautiful highlight, like a like a four or five tone highlight, just, just like, like comes little, down, just like that little chef's kiss. Yeah, it's 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 solid, man. I was like, I am going to use this on every model I paint from here on out. Yeah, I've been seeing what you've been putting out with the Pro Acryl, and it is a similar effect to what I've tried to accomplish with my blues that I was using inks on, mm-hmm. but just to the next level. To a, to a complete new, like, a new mountain range. Like, a new plateau. Yeah, what, what's uh, what's really cool about it is there's been, like, a lot of, uh, uh, like, there's a lot of new painters that come to the, the kind of, uh, the live. And they'll hit me up and they'll be like, you know, hey, uh, uh, how would you do this? Or, like, how would you paint this? And because I went out and I got the Pro Krill, like, starter set. The whole range. The whole range. It's uh, it's it's so awesome. To just go like, oh, what do you play salamanders? Okay, well, let me grab this green real quick. Let me grab this. This is how I would do it. Blast, blast, blast. You know, it's like here's a salamander. And it's like, oh, thank you. It's like, yeah, that's how I do it. And you put it away. And it's like having purples available to you, like oranges, yellows, like these. It was kind of like you know, Games Workshop is getting up there in price, right? It's just Citadel paint pots are not going down in price. No. And so you, when you go and shop, you're not going, hey, just give me the range, right? And I don't even think you can buy the range right now. Well, yeah, because the contrast, they put them out in waves. Yeah. And, and so, so there's no there's no range of like, hey, give me every primary color that you offer for Citadel, right? Unless you just go buy every, you know. Yeah, not outside the like eight paint starter, start painting boxes. They, I don't know if they still do that even. Uh, they definitely do. They do do that. You get like some snap fit Marines and all that jazz. Okay. But I, I wouldn't call that, like, the range. That's like, yeah. oh, here's your, your Ultramarines blue and your red and your bolt gun metal. And yellow. Oh, <laughs> uh, yellow. Good luck. So, so yeah, no, so essentially, you know, I've, I've, you buy the starter set, 100 bucks, and you have 25 paints, and probably, like, f- five or six of those paints you're not going to use very often. 
depending on your legion, depending on what armor you're painting, you're probably not going to use those paints. But having them available to you, like for anything, you know, like I, uh, my purple is not running through my purple right now. You know, I'm not running through my my blues or my greens right now. But having them for you know different things like lenses or you know just uh, uh, recess shading or anything like that, it's it's pretty nice, man. I'm loving it, loving having everything available to. It's, I, I feel like I'm the most equipped I've ever been as like a painter right now. Hell yeah, and so. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, Terminators, I finished them up this morning. It was one of those things I had to get out of the way. I just have to base them right now. And then, uh, they're off, off away. Uh, and the current project I'm working on is my, uh, Warzone Houston. Um, I, for, for Warzone Houston, I entered the display contest. And so with that, my dis- I got to build up my uh, my display, my b- display model, and so I don't remember. Like you, definitely we've we've talked about it. And, and remember Adepticon a few years ago? I was going to build the uh, drop pod. Uh, uh, the, yeah, the the hangar bay. The hangar bay, the drop pod hangar bay. Yeah, it was your uh, display board for your Fury of the Ancients drop drop assault list. Yes, yes. So uh, Morshin recently had a. Uh, 3D design as part of their Kickstarter that they were doing a a drop pod holder that fit perfectly onto the Zomortalis Necromunda board piece, and so that was the same Necromunda the, the Zomortalis like board tile was the same one I was using for my version of it. Except this is like a much nicer, like much better designed like drop pod holder where you actually it, it holds a perfect drop pod in there. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking that model and, and my, my whole idea behind this display is going to be a Blood Angels Deathstorm drop pod that is a being loaded missile-wise by, like, servitors and stuff like that. And so what I want to do is, you know, obviously I've got a little, like, balls out with this drop pod, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, and that's something you rarely see. You know, people... <laughs> I'll be honest. Like people generally don't put a whole bunch of work into drop pods, right? You, you they're you, not they're you, not giving it their all. <laughs> you've seen my drop pods. You've seen how I how I transport my drop pods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drop pods don't get the most love. So so my plan is, <laughs> uh, since this is going to be a splayed open peeled drop pod uh, on this landing platform, I'm going to try and paint up as many hazard stripes as I can on it. Try and give it as many. Uh, uh, I've got sheets and sheets and sheets of the. Uh, of the uh, Mechanicus uh, decals that have like the warning sigils and all that stuff. I'm really trying to like load them up. I'm going to design a, uh, uh, a missile to like, I'm going to, I've already drilled out one of the uh, death storm drop pod. It's basically like the whole, the whole model display is going to be called uh, uh, the last missile. It's like basically the last missile they're loading up before the death storm is ready to go. And so there's so many elements for this display that I really want to make pop. And, and, and one of the big things is, and just so you know, I, I just finished The Great Angel, uh, Sanguinius The Great Angel. Yeah, the novel. And, and so a lot of that has to do with a Remembrancer who is on a Blood Angel ship. And so he's describing the Blood Angel ship and like basically how... Everything is perfect on this ship, how everything is beautiful, everything's artisan and all this stuff. 
And so with that being said, you know, it's one of those things where I want my Zoom Mortalis tile that I'm going to paint. You know, I can't just do, you know, a dry brush silver and just go to town. Yeah, I, you can't just slap your Agrax <laughs> Earthshade over it. You're right. Yeah. You know, so like even down to the tile, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, maybe marble effect the tile out. Or I'm going to have to like do like a maybe like an ivory or something, you know. Or just, just get the shape of like the, the interior of that tile. And then just have somebody laser cut that out of like marble, uh, marble veneer. Oh, just like true marble veneer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, crazy. Uh, so yeah. So, so like I've got to really make it like, you know, pop quite a bit and all this stuff. And so, uh, that was one of the big things was like sourcing those Necromunda Zomortalis tiles. Not easy to get. Uh, luckily we have a uh, gold mine games nearby and a oh, yeah. uh, gold mine a hundred percent has everything you could possibly need. Like, Games Workshop wise, so I went there this past week and got the uh, Necromunda tile that I needed. Uh, luckily, my as far as the drop pod holder, uh, powerful Tyler printed that out for me when I was uh, in the hospital uh, weeks and weeks ago. He had it ready for me, and what the holdup was the tile. So, and I've, you obviously you know I've got drop pods for days in that oh, other yeah. room. They're kicking around, and so uh, the the plan is, and and I've got the actual you know Forge World, the Death Storm missile pod, Death Storm missile pod, and I actually have the Forge World uh, assault cannon, uh, uh, Death Storm as well. But the ones that nobody gets to take, nobody gets to take anymore. Uh, so so I'm gonna get all that ready. Um, I'll. St- I'm probably, and that was kind of my goal, was to get these Terminators finished so I could start working on those because I figured September's going to be on me in no time. And so I'm going to probably end up starting tonight uh, getting those going, getting that uh, mocked up and everything like that. I will say that if you're listening to this right now, uh, I am open to any suggestions as far as how I should make this look. Um, if you, if you do want to stop by the, the TikTok live, it's radio first event on TikTok. If you want to swing by the discord, just warhammerdiscord.com, just swing by and uh, give me your ideas or you can, you know, call in with your voicemail. Uh, essentially I am trying to make this look like a blood angel ship and I'm kind of, I've got four tiles. And so I don't know if I want to put all four together, glue them, pin them at all as a big ass, like two by two <laughs> is my display or if I just want to do a single one by one. So kind of stuck between there. I don't know what would be yeah. a proper display. Yeah, that's a tough call. Because like, if you're like, uh, I can't just put one tile. It's just going to be a little thing. It's going to be real busy, real cluttered. Let me go with the two. I'll, I'll do the four. And then you look at the rest of the entries and they're all like just single model sized. Like, yeah, no, that's the, that's like where I'm sitting. 100 millimeter base. Because if I do four, right? <laughs> if I do four tiles, which is a two by two, right? It's about that big. And then I do the drop pod in the middle and I've got all of this room around it. Right. And I can put like people walking I can put like other servitors that are like cruising along. Like I can, you know, I can do a lot more, but if I do one, you know, it's a single yeah. 12 inches by 12. Inch. It seems like a lot of space, but then you put a drop pod in the middle it's, of it. It's the, with, you open uh, it all the way up. Yep. You got a thing in there holding the drop pod over the, the aperture. I think, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think that's the way to go. Just the, the really tight one by one. And or, if I close off two of the two of the sides with like a like, like a, a wall. Not not so much a wall, like a like a display, like it looks like a a forced perspective, like look oh, onto okay. a ship kind of thing. Yeah. That might be the way to go. Maybe. And then I can just like 
present it at a corner to you, right? Yeah, I'm just having a hard time picturing that because you're talking like uh, like Looney Tunes tunnel where it looks like the whole thing is just on a flat plane. Yeah. It looks like the background of a ship. Yeah. Well, then you're going to be sourcing that, that asset. I can do that. That ain't no big deal. I make that happen <laughs> a, real quick. A, a mid-journey. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Photoshop. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, but no, as far as like what the tile should look like at the bottom and like how like the level of detail you're applying to every aspect of this piece. Yeah. I think I have to do like in my mind and I've talked to, like, what's so crazy is this is all like happening again, because if you remember last time I tried to use a hydro dip tile, like I, I used to try to use a hydro dip, uh, like granite mm-hmm. to make it look like marble, like hydro dip marble to look like it. And I wanted to do that, like ivory peachy color. Cause like in my mind, that's what blood angels would have. They'd have like a, like a ivory, like white tile, right? And a mirror finish on it. And a fucking mirror finish on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, with like gold trim and all this stuff. So, we'll see. Well, well I, it's 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 it's. If anybody can pull it off, man, it's. Well, I tried once, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the experience. Uh, and that time I did LEDs, so I'm stepping back this time. But you know, we'll see. Hell so yeah. about to start working on that. So like that is, uh, that is my current, uh, currently in my head. I'm listening to the end of the death to try and get some, I've been, I'm probably on, I'm already on part two of it as far as like inside the book. And so like the first part was like Horace, like trying to talk to like an invisible remembrancer and all this stuff. And like, it's talking kind of like about how they know they're losing. They're on the final wall. And, uh, uh, I'm on part two now. The emperor just stood up and he's like, hey, Malky, get up there. And Malkador's <laughs> like, sure. Later, guys. Hey, keep my chair warm. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to die if I do this. He's like, yeah, we know. Like, okay, thanks, Imps. <laughs> and so uh, uh, getting everybody ready for that. But a port- uh, Barth showed up in the TikTok live the other day and he's like, hey, man, you need to listen to the end of the death if you're going to be doing this like uh, this traitor legion stuff because they've got a bunch of like revenant legion lore in there about them drinking blood and them doing all this stuff i haven't found it yet i haven't made it there yet <laughs> like i'm still so, i'm like so it turns out everything that you'd like worked out is 100 percent canon <laughs> yeah so like i'm seriously like where's the blood angel part at bar <laughs> turns out turns out that was all a scam <laughs> he tricked you into listening to the end of the death uh, so we're pretty deep in. I haven't heard any blood angel stuff yet. Like Sanguinius is there, but there's going to be like one, sh- one little paragraph where it's mentioned. You're going to be doing like the, the Leo meme on the couch. It was like, Hey, 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 <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. But, but just getting those like blood angels ideas flowing, getting those juices flowing to kind of yeah. hear how they act on stuff. It's pretty cool. But that's super exciting. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm excited because, like, at the same time, it's a uh, it's a teachable moment for other people. Like, other people get to see that process and all that stuff in the live and all that jazz. And so, it's a, it's a good time. Hell yeah. Uh, so, but I did get my game in this yeah, weekend. Yeah, tell me about your game. I'm dying to hear about your game. Okay. I'm dying the, all day for you to tell me about this game. So, I ended up playing Powerful Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, he's running Salamanders and his Loyalist Legion. And uh, he told me straight up. He said this was the most, this was the most different game he's ever played. He says normally games he plays of Heresy, 
he is uh, foot slogging against somebody else that's foot slogging, and it's it's you know they slug it out. Uh, this was not the list that I that I took for slugging out. This was no foot slogging. Nothing was going on here. I ran a day of revelation list, which was all jump infantry, and with all of those jump infantry, the only thing that started on the table was the assassin. All right, and it's a gamble because oh, yeah. if there's a drop pod or the death storm or anything like that, anything that can get to me first turn, anything that's like a uh, indirect fire or anything like that, uh, we could have some issues, right? One whirlwind Scorpius. Yeah, one whirlwind Scorpius, and uh, uh, my my curtains. assassin is is done. It's curtains. All right, I took a gamble. I knew I did. You know, I, the assassin does have the uh, uh, does have that kind of like disappear and reappear twelve inches away. Yeah, that's not going to help you against indirect fire. No, you can get <laughs> fucked. So you, you still get shot. Uh, my so what I ended up doing was because we had to uh, set up terrain uh, before the game. I made sure both sides had a like a hidey a, hole, a hidey like a hidey hole, like a wall <laughs> of his, his office. Yeah, like the <laughs> my assassin's office. No windows, no nothing. Both sides had it, so no matter what happened, uh, that's where he was going first turn hiding. So. Obviously, Jeremy didn't have anything that was going to be able to stop my assassin from, you know, allowing the rest of my army to come on. Uh, I got first turn. I asked him if he'd like to try and seize. He says no. So basically, we said, okay, turn one. All right, cool. I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> and so that was my first turn was done like that, which kind of helps with the how fast our game went. Well, so skipping out on some secondaries, but yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't going to get him. He, I didn't need him. you know, yeah. game over. So I see an assassin turn one. Even if that didn't table you that's, you, that's four victory points right there. Yeah. You're not seeing him though. He's in his yeah. office. Oh yeah. No, that, that was, that was good. That was the doctor is out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, uh, he little, ended little up, where's Waldo action going on. Yeah. He ended up running a, uh, a squad of heavy Colvarin. Uh, the, the, the heavy support squads. heavy support squad of Colvarin, yeah. a squad of uh, missile launchers. Really? He yeah, <laughs> missile launchers, uh, rotor cannon squad. And when I say he had a gunline army, he had a gunline army. No augury scanners. Ooh. He'll learn. He'll learn. Yikes! How uh, he, he ended up taking Vulcan, and with Vulcan he took a squad of uh, of uh, fire drakes oh, yeah. with him. And so he had this five-man fire drake squad with him. Then some pyro class next to them, a Leviathan Dreadnought with a Graflux Bombard and the Siege Drill, and an Assault Marine Squad. And so... Gang's all here. Gang's all here. So turn one... Oh, and a, uh, this is his first time playing with a uh, Saber. Uh, oh, Volk- Saber. Volkite Saber. Nice. Full Volkite. No, that didn't last. Oh. So... My Day of Revelation list, um, if you know how Day of Revelation works, you put a Day of Revelation marker down on the table. Okay? Yeah. And so the mission we're playing, we were, once, we were also playing Crucible of War, but we were doing the, uh, the Dawn of War pl- deployment. Okay. So the Long Table Edges. Uh, long Table Edges. Uh, hamburger style. We're playing hamburger style. So your, your table edge was the short edge. Yes. So it's uh, Hammer and Anvil. Ha- okay. Yeah, we're doing Hammer and Anvil. Which is uh, 24 inches up, 
from the table edge and then 24 inches up from the other table edge. And then in the middle is the where you can actually set up objectives because you can't set up objectives inside the uh, uh, deployment zone. So they're all tight together. So all of the objectives are tight together in the middle of the battlefield. And so my thinking was originally, and by the way, I burn a stratagem. I use the, uh, uh, the stratagem uh, into Hell's Heart. Yeah. Which, and the reason why I did that is because if I have to scatter and if for any reason while deep striking, I get to not scatter. And yeah. so that's kind of the stratagem. And it was kind of like with the uh, day of revelation, I, my thought was I'll just put this directly on the enemy and then I will, uh, if he covers it, then I get to it, the way the day of revelation rules work is if I can't place it on that mark, I get to place a new place for it and then scatter. And then the into hell's heart stratagem just says, Hey, don't scatter. So the idea was if he stands on top of that for whatever reason, thinking he's going to stop me from coming in, then I get to just like pick a point and be like, Hey, my whole army is right here and they're going to charge first turn and then just mm. do work. So that, what if he uh, puts everything within like 18 inches of it, but doesn't cover it? Oh, then I uh, land there. Well, you put that one unit there and then everybody else just kind of doesn't. Well, 12 inches from them is pretty far. So, I mean, that would be a big ball of <laughs> mixed up dudes and, I'd be cool with it. I'd put my esoterics there, just let Cabana do the rest. <laughs> but only well, one guy. Let me make him count. So that was my plan: was to put it on his dudes. And then I saw how the objective markers were set up, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play share objective this game. There's no reason for me not to. Victory points wins games, not tabling your opponent. So what I ended up doing was I put my Day of Revelation marker directly in the middle of the battlefield. Mm. Okay, so what happened was first turn, nothing happened. His guys move forward the best they can, six inches on stuff. Leviathan starts running forward. Vulcan starts running forward. And then my second turn, everything automatically comes on for Day of Revelation. So what I do, and by the way, if you're not familiar with how the new Deep Strike rules work, is you have what's called a Deep Strike Assault, which lets you put one unit down first off. And so the unit I put down, you always want to kind of put down your most uh, valuable unit because you could have a disordered strike, deep strike, which you definitely don't want to do. It's bad. It's bad. So, and, and and one of the things that I think is going to get FAQ'd is how you deploy that first unit because the way I did it and the way everybody else has been doing it is very, very broken right now. Oh, really? And so, um, because there is no, like if you remember in Horus Heresy 1.0, when you deep strike a unit, they had to all kind of be within base contact. Yeah. And so you would basically form this ball. This exact five-inch template shape. Yeah. And so it was kind of dangerous to do that in previous editions. But now they just have to maintain unit coherency. Mm -hmm. But there is no restriction to how close that unit coherency has to be. As far, I mean, obviously you have your normal unit coherency, but there's no restriction of how far you can spread that out. Yeah. So the first unit that's or the first model you place down one model, he scatters. Then you place the rest of the unit in coherency. They can conga line to however far you need to conga line them to get to whatever unit you want to get to. So because I'm using Day of Revelation, my first model that lands does not scatter. Right. It lands on the point. So I land in the middle of the table, which has a I have an objective behind me and an objective about 
12 inches 12 inches to my left and another one 12 inches to my right and so all i did was i took my praetor and command squad and i conga lined across the entire table okay and then i rolled my (laughs) my disordered charge which was a three so i was fine that's not the number you don't want yeah and and, and really really makes you realize how uh, powerful the land raider proteus is because you could really screw some people up oh yeah uh, with a disordered charge um but I was fine, and so essentially I have this, uh, I want to say I had like a 20-inch spread of conga line that I could run, I could drop in and bring in 12 inches from that conga line, from any of those models, I could bring in another yep. unit. The rest of, of your units have to be within 12 inches of the first unit, yes. not the model, the whole unit. So I had complete control of the middle, so it was basically, it's like, oh, there's three objectives, uh, one assault squad on this objective, one assault squad on this objective, one assault squad on this objective. And then I brought my land speeders in. I gave them a, I brought three land speeders in from deep strike. Uh, one, I put directly in front of his saber to just kind of take care of that nonsense immediately. Just they're, they're having their little Pokemon battle. They're double multi-melter uh, land speeders. So, Oh, Oh yeah. What saber? <laughs> so the, the saber, <laughs> there wasn't much going on. And, if you're curious about my list that I was running, uh, my whole list was dedicated to. I'm, you know how I, you know me. You know I'm not a well rounder. I don't like to say, "Hey, this this unit's good at killing infantry. This unit's also killing good at killing tanks." But for this type of list, I felt it was kind of necessary. And so, all of my assault squads had two lightning claws and two inferno pistols inside the squad, and then the uh, the sergeant had his uh, inferno pistol. Okay. And so three Inferno pistols for Assault Squad. And then my Command Squad is uh, eight Inferno pistols. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, my uh, uh, my Tech Marine that was deep striking in with my Assault Squad's Inferno pistol. So I have Inferno pistols everywhere. And the reason why is, like, because my plan was, you know, if I run into a Dreadnought, I'm going to just fight for my life with Inferno pistols. <laughs> just figure it out. And just hope. And, it, and then if I, you know, in the case of, you know, there's tanks or anything I have to open up, being that close, Inferno pistol it the best I can, and then assault in the, the infantry squad that comes out of it. it was, that was generally the plan I was trying to do with it and just, like, layer in units. This unit fires the tanks. This unit assaults whatever comes out of the tank, you know. Just layer through was the original plan. That plan kind of went to the side. I didn't have to use most of my inferno pistols except for overwatch and uh return fire and they did very good damage they did very good um but what i did was i double stacked my land speeders because i knew vulcan was coming up from the left side of the field right Mm -hmm. and so i double stacked land speeders because i knew that if he made it through he would charge and i could get him stuck with one land speeder and then the next turn i could he charges again i get him stuck with another land speeder i was doing the uh the uh, uh, the iron box cock block that okay. Ryan teaches you in yeah. the old uh, uh, just the tips. I was essentially giving him two speed bumps before he can actually get to my units, and I knew he would eat them. But but he's gotta, lo- that's an assault face. He's not killing assault. Yeah, face. and his his unit was not a shooty unit, right? And so Vulcan can't shoot something to death and then you know run past it. He has to kill it in combat. So I guarantee two turns of combat from him and is well, well that was the plan however what actually happened so what had happened was um so 
it's turn two. Everything just deep struck, right? My Esoteris deep struck. My Praetor deep struck. Everything's on the board. Uh, there's one intercept roll made against my command squad. They're all artificer armor. They're all two wounds. They're fine. Like they just they got they my Praetor is actually what I ran a lot of the shots against because it was a bunch of uh intercept by Colvarens. Okay. Okay. So my Esoteris, like we go through the shooting phase. Okay. And so during the shooting phase, I remove the saber from the table. <laughs> he returns fire a saber and takes a it was a mutual destruction between a land speeder and a saber. Yeah, a little Pokemon battle. That is a ton of uh, Volkite shots against a little a little uh, a land speeder, but you know it was worth it. And technically, it wasn't, but whatever. Uh, saber's gone. Saber's not a problem anymore. Well, then everything else I can shoot shoots, and then my Esoteris goes to work and starts breaching the veil. And so the way breach the veil works is you perform a psychic test on your leadership, and in this case, it was at minus one because we had the blood point uh, uh, on and so. He had his leadership test, I guess, plus one, technically. Or, or, yeah, yeah, plus one against my dice roll. Yeah, you add one to your dice roll. Yeah, roll, roll plus one to my dice roll, which is closer to Perils of perils yeah. of the Warp. Uh, so I was fine. I, I rolled a six. You know, it was no big deal. Passed my psychic test. would have been a seven. And with that, and that happens during the shooting phase, I get to place a three-inch blast marker, and that becomes a portal that I get to pick a unit comes out of and you can pick a, you know, your demon units, like uh, your, your brutes. You can put like, bring out Samus. Uh, in my case, obviously I brought out Cabanda, the big Cabundus. And so what I did was I threw the portal cause it can be 12 inches away. I put it 12 inches in front of me up in front of my esoterist. And then Cabanda moves out from that portal is full movement, which is 14 inches. That's huge. So essentially you've got this like 26 inch threat range. (laughs) Like I think you put it best. You said, you know, the pokey, you throw a pokeball and a cabana comes out. You say, I choose you cabanda. And then essentially cabanda is flying at the enemy. The fast, the faster than uh, a a land speeder (laughs) going like, it's like the old breakdown of the fastest model in 40 K at the time, which was like fourth or fifth edition. Where you've got an orc truck that goes flat out and, and ramshackles and it hits yeah. a thing of like mines that destroy it and you get the ramshackle roll and it goes careening this way and boys fall out, but it's a, it's open top so they can assault. And you just have this orc flying like seventy two inches across the table. Yeah. Yeah. Only Cab- in this case it's like a three stage rocket that ends up with Cabanda just doing this brutal charge. Yeah. So so the only thing that sucks about it is that they do get to intercept Cabanda. So in the if you're shooting phase. In, the sh- in, in your shooting phase, they get to completely bypass a normal interceptor rules and they get to shoot. They get to intercept him in your shooting phase. So if you had a bunch of augury scanners, so if he had paid the 30 points for three augury scanners on his heavy weapons teams, they would all get to intercept Cabanda. Intercept your movement phase, all your stuff coming in. And, and then, then they would get shooting to shooting phase. They all get to intercept again. Cabanda. Yeah. So I was really trying to get all of his, intercepts out like any of his shooting reactions out but i and because i knew he didn't have augury scanners 
And so essentially I just said, Hey, I'm going to shoot this. Do you want to return fire with your, uh, with your saber? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. All right, cool. Got him. Got that's out of here. Don't have to worry about that anymore. I choose you. <laughs> Ash Ketchum, the esoterist, just rolling out there, throwing out a cabana. It's the spin on the, the portal. Now keep in mind, everybody, let me just want to go ahead and preface this. Uh, traders were down bad. We were losing pretty bad. <laughs> so yeah, if loyalists had taken this, if loyalists take this week, week's not over yet. Uh, they seize the uh, seize the moment on two up. Yeah, so uh, we had to win. So Tra- traders pulling out the stops. The gloves were off. This Lords game. of War were hitting the table. <laughs> that's why. That's why you saw a warlord on the that's table. Why John brought out a warlord. Josh busted out a warhound. You brought out Cabanda, and I'm <laughs> over here. I, I improved my record to a tie. So uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying. That is why a Blood Angels Esoterist <laughs> summoned Cabanda this turn. <laughs> there's a a lot to unpack there <laughs> that's the uh the warlord of cygnus <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah so you're calling that favor in <laughs> things have gotten dire yeah. so regardless right i i pokeball cabana up 26 inches and he is a four inch charge away from vulcan Mm. Okay. Now, if you don't know Cabana, uh, if you don't know Cabana rules right now, uh, he is uh, essentially normally strength eight. He's got eight wounds. He's weapon skill eight. Mm. He's toughness eight, I believe. Yeah, that's, he's, a, that's a good number. Yeah, he's he's got a bunch of eights. Um, I bet his boss really likes that number. But in addition, his weapon that he has adds plus four to his strength. So you're hitting on a strength 12 axe. And because we had the blood tithe points or whatever this game. Uh, seal of blood. Seal of blood. Uh, he was at strength 13, which doesn't really help against Vulcan, but, you know, yeah, 12 or to, anybody, really. 12 to 13 isn't a big jump. 13 to 14 is a huge jump. Yeah, that's where things get wild. So either way. Uh, Cabanda gets does doesn't he gets doesn't get intercepted or anything? Oh, he does get intercepted by Vulcan squad. Uh, Vulcan used his uh whatever weapon Vulcan has to shoot, it's which done. is his like D six gun or the, whatever the gun that he has. You know, Vulcan's gun and Vulcan and and uh, Cabanda's like okay, cool, thanks. Anyway, all the rest of the game. anyway, I'm gonna charge. So Cabanda ends up charging. Uh, makes his charge obviously. Well, yeah, you can't. You literally can't fail that. He's movement thirteen. You get plus three to your roll. Yeah, or movement fourteen. Well, double ones always fail, I believe. If uh, it might. Yeah, know. there's a there's a there's, there was very little uh, very little worry. So he gets there, and he has rampage D three plus one, in addition to his seven normal attacks, mm. and so. Uh, immediately, I rolled a six for my D three, so that's going to be three attacks plus one is four. So he comes in with eleven attacks. All right, you do the uh, weapon skill, the majority weapon skill. I was not trying to fight Vulcan directly. I'm trying to kill. He doesn't challenge me or anything like that. So go to work on the on the. Uh, That'd have been tragic. Y- y- yeah, <laughs> something would happen. Are the fire drakes not chosen warriors? Uh, the fire drakes. Um, if they are, he did not use that. And that's probably the way he should have gone. Just like, one right, at a time. Well, you get to fight a line of us. Yeah. So he ends up uh, losing three of his fire drakes just out the gate. Right? 
Okay. And that's from insta-killing, insta-kill death. That three-up and vulnerable save that they have is really tough to get through. And so Vulcan does his attack back. What'd you find? Uh, they are not chosen warriors. Okay. That would have been rough. They, they get something else which might give them that. Nope. It's just what lets, what lets you take them as a retinue. Okay. So, yeah. So he has a uh, three-up and vulnerable save because they are Shields. some of the, the toughest units in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they're getting insta-killed, right? So I immediately first turn, I kill three of them, right? And so they're cleared out because three of my wounds go through. Okay? Keep that in mind. Yeah. I only deal three wounds, but six, uh, but six wounds are applied. Right. All right? Then Vulcan attacks. I get my normal demon and vulnerable save and all that stuff. And I, uh, he's Vulcan is having to roll uh, fives and fours. And so... It's not looking great for him, right? Yeah. Primarchs are used to using way better numbers. Yeah. And so uh, uh, the the and, and I'm coming through with my invulnerable save, and my invulnerable saves are, are clearing out. I'm, I'm not really worried about it too much. Uh, and in addition, it, has, it will not die on a five up at the end of the, my turn. So I can regenerate wounds. There is uh, eight wounds there, seven wounds to begin with. So yeah, he's fine. Uh, Cabana is going to be okay. So then uh, I clear out these three dudes and then Cabanda has a special rule that at the end of the assault phase uh, that he's in an assault, he throws out a hellstorm template mm. and any unsaved wound caused by him, you get to any unit that that template touches. It does that many hits to that unit that it touches. The old so, scythe of hatred. So scythe of hatred. So, with the three guys I killed, which are six wound guys, because I insta killed them, I'm doing six wounds to everybody that touches, and so I'm hitting them, and so I, I hit everybody, and you know they kind of. So how many units did you hit with that uh, hellstorm? Uh, I hit four units mm. every every turn. I was hitting at least God. four. Well, the problem was, and and what was probably the coolest thing is, every turn we were in this combat. Uh, he kept running more people in there to protect Vulcan, <laughs> and I would target that unit. I'd say, like, oh, this is a unit pyroclast. I'm going to hit their two wounds apiece. I'm hitting all Bet. of them. <laughs> like, I'm going <laughs> for them, right? And so it came to this point where it was like, okay, my scythe of hatred this turn, because they're two wounds apiece, uh, <laughs> they're, I'm insta-killing them. It's like, oh, that's, uh, that's seven guys that died, so that's 14 wounds I just did. So I'm going to go ahead and scythe of hatred this way, and everything is taking 14 strength six hits. Like, it was just, it was bonkers. Mm. But I would do wounds to Vulcan. He would do wounds to Cabanda. And then at the end of the turn, we would both, it will not die it off. And so, like, truly, it was like, it, in the in the end of the death, there's this part where Malkador checks on Vulcan in the webway. And he's fighting, uh, like, he's essentially <laughs> fighting demons. And it's taking him centuries to fight these demons and they just keep killing him. And he like regenerates and fights back and they kill him again and he regenerates, fights back. Like that's exactly what was going on. He was fighting these, <laughs> he was like <laughs> fighting demons. He was fighting Cabanda for the rest of the eternity <laughs> on this battlefield because I was regenerating wounds. He was regenerating wounds. We weren't doing anything. I don't have to beat you. I just have to not lose. Yeah. And so basically I just, took Vulcan out of the game. Like yeah, he's in timeout with Cabanda and that's where they'll be at the end of the game. <laughs> this is only four turns. So <laughs> just <laughs> you got to deal with it. The old Primarch slap fight. 
So that's going on. I, I'm not having to worry about that. That was just a fun combat that like essentially is like, all right, let's deal with this. You know, it's like fun to see, you know, get to roll big dice and all this jazz. Uh, but on the other side of the battlefield, I'm sitting on these objectives, turn two forward. All right. And I'm hunkered down. Dudes with hard drives. Now, keep in mind, I'm running Sergeant with Artificer Armor, Apothecary with Artificer Armor, and uh, uh, Tech Marine with Artificer Armor. So I've got three different sets of Artificer Armor with Feel No Pain. Mm. All right. So immediately, I'm hunkered down on these locations, on these uh, objectives, right? Yeah, they're pitching tents. And so the first unit to come at me... We're sending lawn chairs. Yeah. The first unit to come at me is an assault squad. They jump in within six inches. They think, we're going to get this easy, we're gonna get this easy uh, charge, right? And they come within six inches. They shoot me with their pistols. First mistake. Ooh. <laughs> so I go, oh, you want to shoot me with pistols? I'm going to shoot you with pistols. So I unload on them with... All the Inferno pistols, and immediately, you know, five of them are gone. Dust, and so it's kind of one of those smoking boots. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, uh, it's like, well, I have a sergeant. It's like, yeah, well, they're AP too. So <laughs> you want to kill your sergeant? That's fine. I'm going to let you. And so he's like, oh no. So he pulls out normal dudes, and then it's uh, okay. And now here come my regular bullet pistols. And they kill another guy, and then it's like, all right, well, I'm going to charge you. It's like, okay, cool. Inferno pistol overwatch. <laughs> he failed the charge. <laughs> oh no! And so, like, even with all the bonuses and everything like that, oh. double like immediate snake eyes. Mm. And it's like, oh well, still gonna overwatch. And so I do. Like, it's down like two guys left in this assault squad. Are right, you gonna make your surge move there, bud? <laughs> and then he does a surge move, gets a little bit closer to me. And then during my turn, I just go, oh, by the way, let me just go ahead and inferno pistol this fella off boop, real boop, case boop. real quick. Yeah, return fire with your two bolt pistols if you want. So, uh, every turn, like it's it's just me sitting on objectives, not moving. I'm shuffling my guys around just to make sure, like, I can get certain people out of line of sight and all this jazz. Uh, I start moving my assassin up to just try and get him into this Vulcan combat, just because I'm curious, right? And it's like you only got you only got three turns to do this, brother. You need to get there. <laughs> like, so I start moving him up to go and help out this. Uh, because he really doesn't have anything that can do anything to Vulcan. He's no. not that kind of assassin. But no, They're cool, but they're not that cool. Yeah, he's going to do a little... He's got an extra strength, which is, makes him strength nine. So he's going to try something. But, you know... Uh, a Leviathan comes in there. Cabana goes, shut up. And then, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, it, it was just kind of one of those things where... My guys, because they were on the objective... Even the, like, as soon as that third turn was over, we knew it's like, I have six victory points. We've already passed the first turn, so there's no way to get these extra two victory points. Uh, my warlord is not going to die. You know, he's like, he's fine. So was, we played all the way to fourth turn, but at the end of it, it was a 9 0 kind of, kind of victory. But it was, uh, uh, I am not mad at that list at all. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not. Com- we, we've been theory crafting like the stupid stuff you can pull off with Cabanda for long enough, I think. And this was, uh, this was truly, truly like the. Did it live up to everything we hoped it was? I thought so, man. <laughs> I like it's, the only thing I worry about is the because uh, like you could do this without the Day of Revelation. You could truly just put Nesoteris in a drop pod and just say, "Hey, good luck, go send Cabanda out there," and then you have your rest of your army doing like real work. Like essentially, it's like. 
It's like, yeah, they'll deal with that over there. Like, because Cabana could just go off and die if he really wants to. You know, he's just a menace. Yeah. And then you just go, okay, cool. Well, we're going to go pull hard drives out of these computers. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 he's a menace, dude. He's like, he is a, a hard to deal with menace. And the fact that he's got I don't, that. I don't know that you can get away with ignoring him. No, you definitely can't. Because he's got he's, enough movement to be right where he needs to not be. Yeah. If they are playing the objectives, Cabana can just be on the objective. Yeah, Cabana's going to come to the objective yeah. with you. That's pretty much it. You need to figure out where he doesn't want you to, or you don't want him to be, and he's gonna. He's got the movement to get there. I did not see anything negative about Cabana. He doesn't mm. have a. Oh no 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 no! He does have a pistol. Yeah, uh, his like ranged attack on his armaments. Yeah, it's like six assault six something like it's, that. Yeah, no, he's uh, he he's he's golden. The man's golden, and if you really wanted to get crazy and take some brutes with him, those. Brutes, if you give them heedless slaughter as well, they rage get three. they get rage, and so you basically like if you just have a portal open with your esoterrorists and you take Cabanda and a couple squads of brutes, now you have this entire army in your enemy's deployment zone while you're off over there, uh, once again mm. taking hard drives out of computers. <laughs> so Cabanda's Cabanda's great. I don't know if I'll play that list again, uh, but <laughs> just pull up the old war criminator. Yeah. I'll probably play a Warhound next time, but <laughs> I mean, Hey, there's escalation leagues and then there's leagues of escalation. So, but that's one of the cool things about this, uh, this campaign is, you know, normally you get like a pickup game and you want to try out like a new, uh, uh, like a new, a new army list or, want to try out a new unit but once you realize that you're down and you really don't want to let your team down right because there was a lot of shit talking going on in our chat right yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was like because josh and pretty were the only ones that won games last week and josh was talking about like his back hurting and all this stuff and carrying us and it's kind of one of those things like, yeah, okay. i heard a little bit of that a little bit of that was coming my way yeah it's like all right well i can't let them down so i've got to I don't want to be gamey, but I got to be gamey, right? We got to get our hard drives. Hey, Derek, how's your game? Oh, you didn't win. You don't win games. <laughs> what did you do? Like, I tied. Like, you tied? You tied? You didn't lose? I'm proud of you. Look at you. You didn't lose. Oh, and I went to go sit down with Josh, right? It was like, Josh is like the pseudo leader of the trader group right now. And it's like, I went and go sit down with him. He's like, hey, how'd you do? I was like, oh, one. It's like, how much did you win by? I was like, Nine to zero. Nine to zero, Dad. <laughs> Kick the feet up on the table. So I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> so, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Brought Dad home the trophy. <laughs> this one ain't for participating. Dad, go and throw nine victory points on the board for us, all right? <laughs> so, but it was a good time. I got to figure out what I'm going to do yeah, next man. week because I guarantee that uh, that – and that's that's what happens, right? Once once somebody gets a oh the genie's one, out of the bottle now. Yeah, once somebody's at that level, I and know, they, there's some loyalists who I know for a fact took Titan support. Yeah, and even then, a Warhound, 750 points, man, that's right there. Enough people have them that if you need to borrow one, there's there's some floating around. I'm afraid of the escalation. Like I'm afraid because like what happened now is everybody there saw Cabanda running around on the table. Everybody there saw Titans. Oh, yeah. Everybody came up to look at the Warlord, and then looked over, and they saw a, uh, was it Malachor that you're using? They're like, oh, that's what's up. I know what Bellicor. 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 There we go. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's Cabanda? 
Oh, what's oh he's fighting Vulcan? Like I feel like we may see some. We it was it's Allied that, Sisters of Silence in like something dude, crazy. That game was there. That whole day was a spectacle. Like that that was some some fantastic heresy going on. And pro tip to anybody: if you're gonna try to run uh, some any kind of like league or campaign or anything like that, make pictures mandatory. Oh yeah, I got the, pictures too. Yeah, that was, that was the best idea I had. It's like if you want to report a game, I need at least one photo of the game. I, I need at least six photos, different angles, <laughs> only <laughs> painted models. Each turn, if you've got if you're proxying something, just have somebody bring in something painted or take it off the table. Get it, get out of, there, <laughs> get out of these pictures. I need you to put a coke can in front of the proxies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, dude, it, it was it was a good day. I'm uh, I'm kind of. Like, because you can't do it again, right? As you can't. Oh, uh, once you bust out that stratagem, yeah, it's used. Uh, once, uh, well, I wouldn't need the stratagem again. The only thing I'm worried about is like people know now, right? Oh yeah, people that, are that like is a known quantity. Because like, if if I'm gonna play against Cody, you bet your ass I'm taking augury scanners, right? Oh, for sure. Like, there's no chance that I get to do this again. So I've got to, you know, kind of. I have to think like Dorn, or I guess like Perturabo, since I'm a traitor. I've got to think like Perturabo. It's like, what wouldn't they expect? Like, well, it's now, like, now when I go to play Jeremy, he's going to have six Augury scanners, and my uh, my Praetor's <laughs> Night Raptor's going to drop in, and they're just going to get wiped. See, that's what you have to plan for. That's what you got to you got to realize. It's like, okay, he's going to have Augury scanners, so I'm starting on the table, right? <laughs> like, it's like, it's a uh, it's one of those things where it's like uh, you got to plan what they know, and so yeah. maybe he's like. Well, he runs a deep strike army. Well, he knows I, he, I played Michael last game, so he knows I'm going to take augury scanners. So I'm not going to take augury scanners. So then you go in there and go, well, I knew you are not going to take augury scanners, so I took deep strike. <laughs> yeah. You got to get in there. You got to. The real battle's up here in the gray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where real men fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this kitty about to go in timeout. She uses her claws for everything. It's the worst. Yeah. So. Yeah, she's been jumping around on me. So, but, but that yeah, this week has been popping off. I love it. They're but, like way wildly more successful than I could have imagined. This campaign has been. Yeah, once you put any uh, competitiveness to, uh, uh, to that's, that's where people are willing to bust out the uh, the old old reliable. They'll, they'll put the old pepper on it. It's like well. <laughs> I'm getting made fun of. Josh is, Josh is making fun of me. I got to make sure I do good this time. <laughs> I can't let him down. I've got to win something. <laughs> if we win this and I've got no wins. <sighs> so, yeah. So, it looks like we're at the two-hour mark now. Yeah, dude. It was it was a lot this week. Tim, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, dude. We've... Uh... We've done good. We've done good. Yeah, we had shout outs. We had a voicemail. We got a new competition going. The the weathering Discord competition. Yeah, weathering Discord competition for, and the Dreadnought. Yeah. So, uh, before I do uh, uh, close out this, I do want to go ahead and give a thank you to all of our uh, Patreon supporters. Uh, powerful Chris, Powerful May, uh, Powerful uh, Jeremy, Powerful Thomas, and Duncan and Josh. Uh, thank you guys. I definitely appreciate your support. Uh, guys, if you want to support the, uh, support the channel, uh, we do have a Patreon open. Uh, you will get the title of Crusader host inside of our, uh, discord channel that does give you some, 
some cool little things we're working on. It just supports the channel. It kind of helps us out with uh, doing uh, some cool things. Uh, we did <laughs> pre-use some of that money. We hired a shirt designer that I'm extremely excited about. So we should have a new shirt coming out soon. Hell yeah. Um, and so anything like that, we use towards, uh, towards fun stuff. Yeah. Just making cool stuff happen. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, once again, if you want to offer your support, uh, call our voicemail line, <laughs> send in suggestions, do all sorts of stuff. And uh, we appreciate you guys out there. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>